What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Again, fellow basement dwellers, this is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com, where we encourage you to always use your head. The Chairshot.com, always use your head. And as most of you know, if you are a loyal listener, we are knee deep, waist deep into the op project here on the bandwagon we are doing part four today the halfway point family films that's what we're going to cover today the bandwagon that is here already knows i'm creating some controversy with versi with my list not really controversy just judgment i've judgment has abounded already and, and uh, i'm i'm here for it i love the judgment it's it's where it's where we are um judge away i fear nothing from any of you that's right i am of course not alone we have a full bandwagon today a full complement of four we are joined this week by the live studio audience the man with all the puns mr pc tunny how are you today i love putting the pressure on you early for the show i'm okay i was a little hungover before breakfast but that just means i had a good time last night so Congratulations. I'm glad you had a good time. Uh, we we also have all of our legal bases covered as the lawyer David Ungar is here. So if we get sued for copyright infringement, Dave, you're in charge of those. How are you today? Good, sir. Well, I already vented off air about some bullshit going on. But other than that, uh, you know, my question for PC Tunney, sarcasm. How's that nefarious cock working out for you? <laughs> I don't want to tell you. It's a nice callback, though. I know. I, I'm here for you, brother. This is another podcast thing. Different, different podcast thing. Yes, is that, is that, that was that all, all about Peacemaker on Pod is War this week. No, no, I, I saw the title of the show. I haven't listened yet, but I, I have seen some words. Uh, 
And then last but not least, rounding out the bandwagon, we are once again returning special guest host at this point, Aesop Mitchell, the violent gentleman, filling in for Ray Cash today. How are you? Good, sir. Welcome back once again to the bandwagon. I was feeling pretty good, and then you've given the title of the master of puns to PC Tunney, and I'm mildly offended. Puns are my specialty. You know, you're kind of new here, and I don't know that you really get to walk in and start doing this sort of thing. You know, he's not here, so here, this is for you. Good. Coming after me. Coming after me on my show? On my show? You're coming after me on my show. I I mean, our show. It's our show, Dave. Like, and, and Tony, <laughs> it's ours. It's ours. I'm not ruling this with an iron fist at all. I'm not. I'm no, I'm not that guy. I'm wonderful, I'm, right? Can I say, I'm starting to get you. complacent and comfortable. I can see that, <laughs> and that's okay. We are happy to have you. We are going to cover some news around the nerdosphere today, Dave. Do you want to vent about the comicsology thing on the on the air? Do you want to do? Do you want to get it off your chest a second it's time? It's fucking atrocious, man. For nerds like me, that I mean that. One of the largest companies in the world can't do right, a simple. Right. We'll, we'll we'll uh we'll cover it then. I can hear the feelings in your voice. There's a lot of feelings there, and it sounds like you need to get them out. And either Tawny or apparently Aesop will make puns about it at, at you know Amazon's expense. I'm not sure who at this point. I don't know what's up or down. Dogs and cats are living together. It's mass hysteria. It's it's a mildly frightening experience. So we will we'll cover a little bit of nerds, news around the nerdosphere before we then go into the art project, the halfway point uh, with family films. And in order to do that, in order to get this thing kicked off on the right foot, Dave, I'm going to ask you to kick up some music for us for news around the nerdosphere. All right. Thank you, sir. I wish I, I do wish I could do an echoing effect. Um, I'm sure that's something that I could do, but I'm too lazy to do it. I have a microphone that could do it, but I don't think you could speak into it. Yeah, you're in you're in Wisconsin. I'm in I'm in the mass. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah. You'd have to be like you'd have to be like Chuck Norris, like when he got that waitress pregnant in Detroit. Right. Totally. He and was, I'm and but, nobody but he was but but at the time he was in Denver, so but that's Chuck right. Norris. It's he's he's amazing. Like, I, I just know noticed. Chuck I just noticed something. Audacity what? has an effect, an echo effect, honey. That might actually work. I'm gonna have to try that. There you go. So Did this they, could yeah, be a very experimental edition of the bandwagon. That's exciting. To, I'm to not putting my stuff. I'm not putting my keys in that bowl over there. Just so you know. There you go. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, we'll leave that all up to Dave, and. Um, and whatever holes he wants to put his keys into. Okay. We do have a few news topics before Dave, we'll save your topic for last. We'll let you, we'll let you get angry. Uh, we'll, we'll allow the Jewish rage to flow at the end of the, at the end of this segment. Ooh. Uh, ooh, and, you know, I see Aesop popping pop as well, but the first thing I want to point out is just a follow up to something we talked about previously uh, on this podcast, on these airwaves. And that is, Netflix a few weeks ago had popped up with a little message 
uh, if you wanted to watch Daredevil, that it was leaving the streaming service today or tomorrow. I do. I think it's today. 28th. Yeah. Or so it's, so by the time this podcast airs today, kayfabe Monday as it were, but we got a news nugget and I don't know, this could be, this is probably in the realm of get your salt shakers ready. Uh, you know, it comes from our good friends at the direct, one of Ray cash's favorite news sources, but there seems to be an announcement sharing that Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fish, Fist, Iron Fish, Iron Fist, The Punisher, and The Defenders could start streaming on Disney+. Plus. Now, it says Canada on March 16th. I'm in. It makes sense. Do we buy it? And why Canada? Why does Canada get it first? Anybody? I don't know. What else? There's a have? fair amount of Canadian talent, I think, on it. So <laughs> that probably helps. I mean, I, I have only, you know, what's that all about, eh? That's true. Yeah. Now, real quick, I, I think I've gone through this before. How many of you have not watched these series? Like, I, has everybody watched the? Yeah, Tony's, Tony's like looks up. He's like guilty. I've seen some of it, not all of it. How have you not watched Daredevil, Dave? Of all of the series. Like, how have you missed there? And Jessica Jones. Like, if you're going to watch two, yeah. those are the two I would tell you to watch. Appreciate <laughs> Jessica, jo- uh, Jessica Jones, because that one gets very little love. It should get more love. It's Season one is brilliant. It's horrifying. It's actually mildly, it's it's almost, it's 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 also mildly horrific and, and terrifying, but just terrific as a show. But Dave, come on, man. It's on the list, and now it's gone. Uh, so. But it'll be but back. Now it's it'll be go back. On, it just needs to go yeah, on the other list. It's going to go fine. on the Marvel love. What do we think? Like, I do think it's interesting because these are definitely TV MA programs. That's a, that's a little interesting when you look at the realm of Disney Plus because we don't have a ton of the, that content on the platform. Although they seem to be pushing some boundaries here and there. Like, not that Free Guy was was anything. I think it was like PG thirteen, PG. I can't remember. There was some language there. That's about it. Daredevil is all about the violence uh, and the gore. Jessica Punisher Jones, too. Uh, yeah, Punisher. Uh, Jessica Jones is psychological, um, abusive. It's about it's about abusive relationships. Like it's it's really uh, a dark thing. And then actually, Luke Cage and and Iron Fist are probably the tamest of of the two. Really, when you look at it, that's and, because Iron Fist is boring. It's true. I, I don't. I yeah. I can't really. I can't really argue that too much. Um, but yeah. So I guess be on the lookout for that. Now here comes my next question: Does Disney Plus keep them forever? Do they ever go anywhere else to be aired on a different? Do they go the Hulu route at any point because they own those, um, or does it just stay on Disney Plus and live there with all other Marvel properties? Probably. Those those sets of Marvel film is very much made for Hulu. That you know fits the 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 mold of previous iterations, something like runaways and uh, heck even like, um, what was the, what was that? The gifted, right. It was like the FX slash Hulu exclusive show. Uh, yeah, that there was, was that. What was yeah, that? It, the, there was one that was on FX that was really trippy had, um, God, was it Gene Stapleton was in it? Um, 
And uh, Aubrey Plaza was in it. Um, I think that was a given. I did not see that one, but that's the one that's kind of uh, loosely based with the in the X Men sort yes. of universe. Charles Xavier's son. Yes, uh, but I can't remember. Like that show was that show was too was too heady for for primetime television. Yeah, so I, I mean, when you look at the grittiness of the defenders lore uh because more or less that's what it is these this is just the defenders um you know everyone but uh when you look at the grittiness of the majority of those characters and specifically the storylines that they've told uh legion, throughout their legion, legion, legion. Was that that was loosely based on the x-men um and is and goes really bonkers really really fast so yeah, I guess keep your eyes out uh, uh, for that if you subscribe to Disney Plus, especially if you're in Canada. But I wouldn't be surprised if you know comes to America too, eh? That's that's our hope. Well, if you'd like, check out the um, Agents of Shield hub as well. That's going away February 28th as well. So um, wait, there's an Agents of Shield hub. Well, Agents of Shield the the series on Netflix. If you go in there, it'll say oh, yeah, yeah, it'll yeah. say it leaving says- February 28th. So that's going away as well i imagine that's going to end up on disney plus um similar to like agent carter is over there which is which i got through season one of that and that's a surprisingly good show so um oh i watched i watched that show when it aired i felt bad that it didn't it didn't kick i hate that in disney plus world they've labeled it as and i wonder if they'll do this with the dared with the netflix series they call them one shots or like one-offs like that they're no, not they're, that's a, there's a separate the there's a separate listing for agent carter's a one-shot and then the actual series they've got the two seasons so they actually oh, have it listed oh, twice because oh, I, I thought i, I, I thought, thought the same thing else. huh well that's really interesting but i, I will say so, this if they're going to bring like um like deadpool if they're going to you know bring deadpool into the into disney plus and all that sort of thing then might as well start getting people conditioned to some crazy violent shit I guess do we do we we just need like a Disney After Dark hub like within the oh know. no that means we're getting Howard the Duck hell yeah we're getting Howard the Duck Tony's favorite I I I, I low key love Howard the Duck are you kidding me I was, probably because it is so bad I was the East German judge on that one I think <laughs> no nah, Tony Tony why Tony reviewed that one didn't you is that the one nerd review you wrote was Howard the Duck. Yep. That was that was some great shit. I'm a dark overlord of the universe. Anyway, uh, enough of that. More to come. I want to get to this Lord of the Rings speculation because this made me cry a little bit. Now that the trailers are out, people are going to start saying wild shit. And one of the first rumors of wild shit that has hit is that a character from Lord of the Rings, PC Tony's favorite franchise in the whole world, Tom Bombadil might be in the Amazon Lord of the Rings series. Why? Aesop, you are the resident Tolkien super fan. Why? Didn't he, well, didn't he save all, uh didn't he save Pip and someone in an old forest or something like that? In in the in Lord the of the book. Rings trilogy. Yeah, it's in, in the Fellowship book. of the Ring. Oh okay. I don't know how that did, came to me. You read the article? <laughs> That was my contribution. Carry on. Bam. Uh, I, I'm sorry. Why not? There's nothing wrong with throwing in Tom Bombadil, regardless of how the books portray him. You uh, already know uh, that 
that you can break away, change up a narrative of a character. And this is one instance where it's probably best that, you know, Amazon or whomever the creators, you know, may be in a film, you know, change up a character's story arc and um, just overall perception of that character. Fucking give Tom Bobadil some life, for God's sakes. Because everyone knows that you kind of lost days of your lives uh, reading the Tom Bombadil chapters in like the the other Lord of the Rings novels. I think you can do it. That that slowed that shit down hard. Oh, God. Hard. Sorry. Anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no. I'm just saying. I think I think that they can do. The character Justice, I think they know going into it that Tom Bombadil is a polarizing figure. And if they know that going forward, they're going to do everything they can to either A, perceive it, uh, make people rethink Tom Bombadil and give him a better better character arc. Or B, they're going to troll the hell out of us and it's going to be funny as hell. Uh, I hope so. Um, Dave, I think I finally figured out this is why Comixology isn't up all the way on Amazon Prime. They're worried about getting Tom Bombadil into Lord of the Rings. And so all of their energies have been focused on that project and less on making sure that you get your comic book subscriptions uh, digitally. So there you go. Mystery solved. We're all good. Um, This is a nostalgia thing, right? Like this whole Lord of the Rings kind of return and prequel thing is a is banked on people's love of a franchise and and i think a little bit of nostalgia uh because that's what sells right now and yeah this is a character that didn't get introduced in any way because peter jackson rightfully pointed out the movies didn't need it didn't need tom abadil to to kind of keep going they give a little nod in the extended edition of the two towers uh when mary and pippin are with the ents but that's that's kind of about it. Well, I mean, Dave- I, I mean, here's the thing is, you know, and we talked about it with all the Marvel series that we've reviewed and and things like that, that these these, um, you know, when you do a series like this, it gives showrunners and directors and producers and stuff a, a kind of a, a a a palette upon which they can explore things that you wouldn't normally have the time to do in a movie, which is kind of where, you know, he got pretty much cut out of everything. I mean, like a little teeny, like they were saying in the article, a little teeny nod to him in the extended edition of one, I think fellowship of the ring. So no, I mean, what's that? Two it's towers? in the two towers. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I guess in a series like this where you've got, you know, six or seven or eight episodes or something like that, where you're going to take some time to explore some other areas of the lore that you may not have had time to do in a movie, then this is the place to do it. So, I mean, it just depends on how everything else comes together. I mean, they're spending, uh, what, a million plus each episode. So, you know, you got to hope that that they know what they're doing and and that this isn't going to just be, you know, filler of the worst kind. If they're bringing them in, they've got to have some some purpose for that. So, I mean, I'll we'll see what they do. You know, you're going to watch it anyway. Oh, of course. Uh, course. I'm totally not going to watch it, man. No way. I mean, it just shows that they have complete control over us. And, yeah, uh, they really, they really do. 
and it's funny to see how companies continue to cash in on what middle-aged men like myself will go back and check out. Like I said, Nostalgia Cells and Boy Shop Factory, as I transition into my third topic, are they jumping hard into nostalgia as the last article I shared before we let Dave go off was came from io9 the gizmodo site announcing that alf will soon be crash landing again onto screens i was in fourth grade when alf was on television my fourth grade teacher loved alf she used to talk to the class about the episodes of ALF, and if we hadn't seen them, then she was going to regale us with everything to it that had to do with it. And what was fascinating about ALF is that it got canceled before it could finish the cliffhanger season, what ended up becoming a series finale, where when we last see ALF, he is taken away by like NASA or some government agency to basically be poked and prodded and examined. Now, ALF was wildly successful when that show was on. Um, It spawned not one, but two cartoons that, you know, aired on Saturday mornings. This, I I, I gotta say, this screams danger and disaster in in my brain from the get-go. Like, I'm worried that they're going to give ALF an edge. Like, like is is this going to be a gritty reboot? Um... Of, of Alf, I don't think it will be, but I, I'm scared that it might be. Is he going to actually eat the cats? Like, is he actually going to catch the cats? Tony, your thoughts of Alf as a series and a show, because you were the one who posted the GIF uh, when, I, when I shared the article, so it strikes me that you may have enjoyed Alf in your day. Yeah, I've seen all of the television series episodes at least a few times each. Um, I was, I'm slightly younger than you, so I'm not, I'm not sure how much older you are than me. So I was likely in kindergarten or first grade, but I had an elf lunchbox. Um, I just really, I just really thought it was funny. I I still thought it was funny when I rewatched it maybe six, seven years ago. So I'm, I'm up for whatever they're giving it to us with, but it seems like it's going to be on some strange streaming network that I don't think I'll pay for. So it's, yeah. And their, their plan of attack by doing a really aggressive, you know, rollout on a whole bunch of different, you know, opportunities to cash in on money in, in different avenues of, of, of television and merchandising and things of that nature. I don't know. Eventually I'll watch it. I like Elf. Um, I wish you didn't eat the cats. I mean, he always almost ate the cats. He never actually succeeded. Like he, he came close. That was, that was well, the running joke. Yeah. He, he actually, uh, wanted lasagna instead of a cat one time or something. So whatever. Uh, did a little Garfield concede. I see what you're saying there. You know what I'm saying? Dave Hungar. Your thoughts on ALF as a, as a show? Um, do you want an ALF remake? Do you need an ALF remake? I was not an ALF fan. I really was not an ALF fan. Everybody loved ALF. And moving on to Aesop. Aesop um, boo, boo Dave first. Boo Dave first. Okay, hold on. Boo me. Yeah, that's if, if, I, if I may. <laughs> Thanks, boo. bestie. Yeah, boo. You could change your attitude about Alf, and we'll, we'll consider it. Are we booing you as well? 
I don't hate Alf. I've got the stuffed animal downstairs somewhere in my it does. It has the collection. Ha- other than Dave, apparently, apparently the lawyer doesn't have the stuffed animal. Well, Alf is uh, is actually well before my time, um, and I, I got into it later on when I was right, like ten years old ish. I watched uh, some of the episodes, and that got me going. And then, obviously, found out about like the uh the cartoon series as well and so i got into alf uh, but again i can also get into anything so this is not this is really not uh too crazy for me i'm not opposed of the idea of a grittier ish reboot um but but hear me out hear me out i'm not saying you know we need to go like hardcore grit but something to the effect of like uh, the Muppets. The Muppets kind of got a little bit more. Um, I I, wa- I want to say adult, but not adult. Adult, you know what I'm saying? They they got someday, a little bit more. Someday I'm going to get this real. bandwagon to talk about. We're going to talk about Jim Henson's Muppets in in detail because they were never solely for children. Uh, go back and watch the Muppet Show. There's a lot of sex jokes in there. Oh yeah. Um, I yeah, I don't know. I just in general, and I, I guess kind of get a sense of this. Why why is there with a lot of these like nostalgic reboots or whatever that we're we're seeing come back? Why is there like sort of this? Is it just because they wanted to speak to okay this audience when it was a kid when we're kids they've grown up so if we want to continue the series we need to grow up the series in some way for for them to enjoy it like. Why does there why does there seem to be this need for an edge when, when we bring some of these characters and series back? Like Riverdale. Riverdale's fucked up. Like Archie and I get the comics like went went dark, but like like Archie's fucking his teacher in the first in the first series of Riverdale. And it's like, that's Archie? What? Tony's applauding. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to reach out to that uh, demographic. You know what I mean? It, like there is, the there is no soft, there's no softness anymore. And uh, in television and media and pop culture, there's always some type of grittiness, even in kids shows altogether, they have to do something to be just a little bit, a uh, little bit hardcore, I guess. But yeah, I, I see it in my kids you know, television watchings, you know, not enough for me to be like, Hey, get that shit off TV. But uh, you know, you still have to, you watch it and I admire it. I look at it more like the animaniacs at times. Eh, I guess perhaps I could get on board with that anyway. So I do think, like you said, Tony, do we need another streaming service to roll out just Ugh. to get it's, I, I don't see myself picking that up. I could see somebody else buying out Paramount the Shout Factory. Yeah, like it'll show up on Paramount Plus, Peacock, who knows? Somebody will buy it. All right. Last little news item. So this week was the week that Comixology was supposed to transition fully over over to our friends at Amazon. And let's just say it didn't go well. Dave, as a subscriber of Comixology, why don't you talk to our lovely listeners about what happened with the rollout on Amazon? 
Yeah, it's a disaster in in every fucking way possible. And I'm actually like reading about it now because this is like the first time I'd logged in in a, in a probably like a week or so. And, um, you know, here's the biggest thing. I mean, many things. I'm just reading like on IGN. Uh, even Patton Oswald has come out and is bitching at Amazon saying, just revert back to the old app. Um, I, I've been buying comics on Comixology since 2013. So I bought literally hundreds of them. My library now with the update has a total of 14 and everything's gone. Everything that I had in progress, everything in my wish list, nothing's there. And apparently this is a, a, a problem. That's not just me, but everybody's been hit by this. It's, you know, you could spend millions of dollars on an episode per episode of Lord of the Rings, but you can't migrate over a digital comics app and do it in a way that doesn't completely ruin everything. And now it's like, you know, and now I got to go and, and harass, you know, Amazon and Comixology about this shit and say, hey, where's all my stuff? I know you guys have a license for this stuff, but I still purchased a lot of things that I don't have access to anymore. And that's a problem. So, um, yeah, I, I don't I mean, I don't get what the I know. I hear on the desktop, it's even worse. Like, at least on the iOS app, you can still do the guided view if you have anything to actually fucking read. But on the desktop, you can't even do that. This is, um, I mean, I mean, Comixology was the biggest digital comics distributor in the world. And now it's just like an absolute disaster and a train wreck. And it's so mind numbing to me. So I, I haven't read a lot of the, I don't have a subscription to comiXology. I made this joke before we went on the air. Like I'm still a firm believer in physical media. I don't, you never really truly own your digital content folks. Um, just be aware of that. But um, is this a scenario similar to when like the WWE network launched where they promised things and then rolled them out over time? Or is this just a complete dropping of the ball by Amazon like what are they saying the problem is like what happened or are they even saying what the problem is not really not from what I'm reading yet they're not really addressing I mean if you go in the app and you're like you know if you try and look for your wish list which I have hundreds of things in my wish list that's just kind of where I would deposit things you know things that okay I want to come back and look at this later Uh, it's just gone and they say uh, your wish list will be there soon so I don't know if they're working on fixing this Mm -hmm. Um, there's a big public outcry to roll this thing back to the pre-update. I mean, had I known this was going to happen, I would never have updated. I said, no, I'm just going to keep this the way it is. Now, I don't know if that would have worked or not, but uh, it's, yeah, I mean, when you got a, this ma- massive outcry from people, you know, and people like Patton Oswald is bitching at you, I mean, that puts Amazon in a position where well, I guess we can't just completely ignore it. There's just, you know, some schmuck like me out there complaining about it. They're going to be like, what do we care? But, um, yeah, that's that's disturbing that something this large is just is just such a mess. I don't get what they did wrong here. Uh, And I'm sure they'll figure it out and, and we'll know and it will be an unsatisfactory reply. It's it's amazing how commonplace this is, though. Right. Like how many times have we had rollouts whether it's this sort of transition hell even you know i i made i talked about the, the wwe network when the wwe network rolled out like that shit was terrible when it started and then when it transitioned to peacock that's still terrible like the whole like way peacock structures 
show like to call them I, seasons is weird. I agree with you 100% with what you're saying, but honestly, as a wrestling fan, as long as I'm getting my premium live events for $5 a month, I think we're all way better off. Oh. But I know, and I know you yeah. agree, but I'm just like, there is still a silver lining to that, you know, oh, part sure, of it. Yeah. And with Peacock. If you learn how to, if you learn how to uh, navigate the Peacock. Right. I mean, with the cock, at least all the content is still the, there. You, you know, you need to you need to get some practice and learn how to navigate the cock. Exactly. Right. But at least I, I it's all say, there, you know? I will say what, that's what, what she said. It's, it's like intuitive in some ways, but not in others. And that's what I think is really funny. Like, I actually think, for example, like the nitros and the raws and because I watch I watch old stuff. So like right now I'm in the middle of like mid-Atlantic 1986 yeah, and and that's like season two, whatever. That's like when Arn Anderson was hitting the scene. I know, I know. Was wrestling Dusty and go it's fuck good. yourself if you don't it's like it. It's good. It's good. It's good. Relax. Midnights are about to come out of the scene. Like, you suck. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but he, uh, feels, he feels better. Go ahead. I feel targeted. That's what I feel right now. That's that's. Oh, oh boy. Oh, boy. We didn't yeah, even get into Wisconsin, tr- Illinois tr- yet. Anyhow. Um. But but once you what yeah I I see that what what I think is 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 annoying though is like the bugginess of things like and I and that's what I remember with the original rollout of the WWE network their live stream you couldn't run it for for shit when they were doing their premium live events part of the reason why they switched over I, it took them forever to get that right uh, to the point where I was like you know what I'm just gonna start 30 minutes late um, and start at the beginning because then my stream doesn't fuck up so. Honestly, there's something I, I don't know as of the last four or five months because I either watched live or didn't have a chance to jump in while it was going. But I know at some point when it was on Peacock, I wanted to go and start from the beginning while the pay-per-view was in progress yeah, and I uh, start from the beginning. So I had to just wait till it finished and watch it on the replay, which that which, just is asinine. Well, it's clever. In, on, on some in some sense, because I think they're what they're looking to do is boost their actual like live watchers um, of the event. So I, I think that that's a, a willfully, intentionally not customer friendly approach by our good friends at Peacock. Um, right. So, Dave, I hope you get your comics, man. I do. Yeah, Dave. Yeah, Dave. We love you, Dave. Uh, and, and for those of you that have. And for those of you that have comicsology subscriptions, it's going to work out, I'm sure. And Amazon will do some sort of shitty make good. Or they won't because they're an evil corporation and have never done a make good for their customers, even though they say customer service is important. I just sent you the article from your favorite site, Gizmodo, titled, Amazon's comicsology overhaul is here, and it sucks. Hey, listen, you, and every week you don't get your shit back, you can come on here and kvetch about it. Yeah. I mean, they're really good time at time for that. Well, we don't. We What we do have time for, though, is our first commercial break so that we can get into the Op Project uh, Family Film Edition. So we're going to do that. Uh, and when we come back, I'll start making people angry by not including certain films and franchises on the list. That's right. You're listening. It's me. <laughs> To, to, it's 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 uh it's Aesop and probably uh, I'll get some chagrins from Ungar and I'll I'll get some judgment from Tunny in his 
Yes, he's he's already pointing the finger at me, and you'll get all of that when we come back from our first commercial break. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. All right. Welcome back, everyone. We are at the midway point of the op project. I'm very excited. We are going to talk about family films because apparently when the after the podcast was haunted last week, there were there were some feelings about having something a, a little bit lighter as it was between family films and drama. And uh, and folks were feeling a little uneasy about the idea of of doing drama and maybe getting a little depressed. So we're going to save that for next week. That's uh, that's right, guys. I'm taking the choice out of your hands for, for next week's show. Next week, we're going to do drama, frankly, because I think we should get it out of the way because the last two categories are always the hardest for at least this group to, to get through. When you look at action films and comedies, just takes us way too damn long. It's just, a, it's oh boy, it's a slog. Um, Ray actually did not send a list this week, so I don't have a list uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, I could do that. Um, he deserves that, but. In, in fairness, I didn't press, I didn't press Ray for a list. Um, but I, I I thought it was really interesting when I, when I put this together, because when I put my list together, and this really did become, of all the lists that I put out there, this one I think is most is the most truly like Patrick O'Dowd's list in the, in the sense of I got a lot of just personal favorites that aren't going to win any awards but are totally my favorites and I don't care if y'all look at me funny when I name them off and I will happily sit in judgment of you and one of the things that I really realized as I was going through this list and I'll even share this now I don't have a single Pixar movie on my list and I, I when I went back it's because I never like that time I was not that interested in what Pixar was putting out in terms of like films like tw- and it wasn't like I was like oh these are stupid but it was like oh that's nice I don't really need to see it oh that's nice I don't really need to see it oh that's okay I don't I don't really need to see it and it really wasn't until the second decade like if we were if we were to do you know the tens which I'm sure we will um, probably a year from now though I do have a different idea um, with decades to kind of mess with things so that maybe we could create some distance I I just it didn't make a lot they, they didn't make a lot of my list even though I have a lot of respect for I what I'm sure are gonna be plenty of franchises that get listed or films that get listed uh like there's one i'll I'll even show this ratatouille i didn't even see that until two years ago so that that kind of tells you where my lack of pixar comes from i got respect i enjoy plenty of these movies and i will have plenty to say about them but 
My list is very much in this in this regard a lot of just personal faves. So I'll, I'll take any abuse you want to get out of the way right now. If Aesop, if you want to go first and just and lay it on me, you're welcome to, or Dave or Tony. Uh, but Aesop was the most judgmental in the chat. So um, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm ready to, to be heard. All right. Let me be the first one then. Uh, by no means am I judging you in the, in the critical sense. Um, because here's the thing. I left off a bunch of movies that pained me to leave off in this top 10. Uh, and I'm sure they will come up as we start to get into this list. Um, and uh, I look at it this way as well. I am just recently turned 30. This decade of film is more or less my wheelhouse of kid time. Right. So I feel very attached from 2000 to 2009 to these type of films. And in my personal opinion, Pixar especially had the realist meanings in a lot of their films. And I will obviously get to that as we go through, because I have uh, I can see five on my list and I did <laughs> not want to have that many. In fact, I felt very conflicted by that. But then as I kind of looked at these, these films and I looked at the deeper message behind the film and how important it was to have that message and the way that they portrayed it as well, which I feel that Pixar kind of loses going into the 2010s, something like inside out, which is a fantastic and very fun movie. The deeper meaning is way too surface level. And it, there, there is less art to the way that they tell their stories going into the 2010s. I love so many movies. This was easily my hardest list and it probably will be the hardest list at all. Uh, like for the entire series that we have here. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm very conflicted about the, the ones that I left off. And, you know, I know, I think Ray kind of gave me some flack back when we did the first week and I'm having spirited away on my fan sci-fi fantasy list. Guess what? One reason why I did that is because of that way I didn't have to try to fit, fit it into this family animations list. So I am feeling much better not having to try to work that in. Hey, I feel you. I also had Spirited Away on my sci-fi fantasy list. Dave, Tony, did you guys have any troubles making this list? Dave, you're like 900 years old at this point. Um, did you Were you even able to connect with the, the movies here? Oh. Were you... Were you Emotionally detached, were you old man shells and yells no, at clouds? Actually, far to the opposite of that, my friend. Because here's the oh, thing. My daughter was born in 2002. My son was born in 2004. So this is the yeah. decade of watching these movies ad nauseum. Each one on here has a, a personal attachment to me because my kids loved all this stuff. And, and you know, I... I one up on Aesop on my Disney Pixar movies. I got six of them on my list because that's just what we watch. My kids love Man, that I'm stuff. I'm feeling so much better about my list here <laughs> that you guys are Pixar heavy because so, uh, it's going to get all the love. Yeah. And I mean, and you know, because we're such big Disney fans and spend so much time at Disneyland and so many of the aspects of that is related to Pixar properties and things like that. Yeah. This, this was, um, 
a difficult list to get down to 10 just because I remember so many of them so well from sitting down with the kids and watching them. And, and, and so the, the, this was a tough list for me because of the emotional attachment I have to a lot of these movies. But um, yeah, I mean, fun to revisit that and, and revisit some of these uh, really heartwarming, charming, awesome movies that, uh, that, you know, congregate this category. Tony, how, how about you, man? Did, was this tough for you at all? No, no, it wasn't. Actually, I put a new tool in my arsenal in doing this process because I've talked to you guys exactly about how I do it. So, you know, it's funny because last week I feel like in horror was probably the most accessible amount of lists on the Internet um, as far as, hey, top blank films, 2000, 2009, right? I said we got a lot of them for um, uh, sci-fi fantasy. I bet you there was even more for horror. There wasn't many for sports. For family, there was slightly more than there were for sports. So in not wanting to miss anything, what I did was I actually looked at all the, well, I didn't look at all of them, but if you go in into IMDb, you can see the major movie releases from 2000 to 2009. So there's 52,000 some. Uh, You can have them ascending by popularity. So I went through the first 500 in preparation for our next categories and making sure I caught any family films that were in there. I can tell you I had 20 films written down. I had to cut it down to where I have five animation, five non-animation and two Pixar. Very nice. I had a list of 15 that I was whittling down today and there were some Pixar films on there, but again, it went back to what did I actually watch what do I repeatedly watch? That's the other thing is every one of these movies I'm about to to list off on my list, I've watched more than once. I can tell you again. I can tell you there's two or maybe two or three movies I have on here that might be a stretch as far as being a family film, but I guess they had to fit in here somewhere. So awesome. Well, and we're gonna go ahead then on that note and we're gonna get into it. This week's order is Tunny. Aesop, Patrick, and Dave. Uh, a reminder that when somebody lists a movie that is higher on the list to raise a hand, judgment-free zone, these are our lists. And when he, I know he can hear me when he returns to the chair. I'm right here. Episode. I'm ready. I'm All good. right. It's your number 10 to kick us off. Yes. So my number 10, and everybody knows I'm a big Seinfeld fan because if you listen to DWI podcast, we are reviewing Seinfeld one episode at a time starting at the beginning but my number 10 is B movie with Jerry Seinfeld starring as Barry B Benson um this is a pretty decent uh voice cast in this movie and I and I really like the plot as well but let me just let me just give you some of the characters that are also being played in this movie Renee Zellweger Matthew Broderick John Goodman Patrick Warburton uh Chris Rock Kathy Bates the list goes on Oprah Winfrey uh so pretty star-studded cast here basically he's a bee that just graduated from university inside the hive or whatever and he goes to where they make the honey and he figures out that once he picks a job that's his job forever so he doesn't want to do that he ends up going out on an adventure with these like bee cowboys that go around and collect pollen Uh, he gets lost in the rain he ends up meeting renee zellweger and breaks the bee law of not speaking to humans so they develop a relationship. He goes to the grocery store with her and figures out that bees are being, you know, uh, poor work environments and humans are stealing their honey. So eventually everything works out. He becomes a lawyer 
And uh, I think it's a pretty funny movie. Excellent. Dave, you might like it. He becomes a lawyer. I've seen it. It's good. Good good call, Tony. It is. Good choice. Thank you. That's the meme movie of the 2000s right there. So it's always a blast watching B-movie. Nice. So my number 10 is a film starring Alec Baldwin. Can you not hear me? No, it's it's Tony. Oh, it's Aesop. I did. I skipped you. Drink. Drink. If you want to go. Drink. If you want to go, if you, no, be I, my guest. I, it's I like been a while. You, I like when you mess up. Hey. We hey don't have to. to your credit, uh, Patrick, you've been flawless the past, I think, pretty much since we started, outside of maybe one little hiccup. Oh, so, my God. Don't I'm just saying. It. It's your I'm fucking turn. Get to the movies. Crying out loud. <laughs> my number. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I have to get yeah, back yeah. in good favor Stop. with, with Stop. the host. You got a little you got a little brown right here. That's my mustache. So oh, okay. Uh, a little bit uh, my number that. ten is cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Nice. I'm glad someone I, did that. I love this movie. It's and good. something that this movie does is deviate from the source material. The food itself in the book uh, of the same name is something of this magical mystical element right that you know eventually starts to get crazy on the town um in the movie though they turn it into this odd duck story and flint the guy that creates this scientific device that turns weather into food is just so kooky it's so over the top and the moments of emotional drama feel so heightened throughout this movie. I love the cast. I love the concepts of everything that they did. Also, this movie is so damn good because of Mr. T's performance alone as the police officer. He is so freaking funny. And every time he is talking about his son, Cal, you are laughing and feeling the same emotional connection to Cal as well, because he is so passionate. And that is one one reason that the sequel, uh, while as pun-tastic as Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2 is, kind of fell off because they replaced him with Miss, uh, Terry Crews. And it just doesn't have the same, the same feeling, the same nothing. And... I love Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. They are so smart with everything that they do. Their humor is very much like um like a Mitch Hedberg style of humor throughout the entire course of the film, which I also really love and how well it works in that film where they just have these short jabs and it, they'll they'll constantly tie back to them without uh, murdering the joke too much. I love this film. Yeah, the little O'Dowd really went through a big phase with Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Liked it, enjoyed the sequel. There is a Netflix series, an an- Netflix animated series that he watches that's based on on the stories as well. So I can't I can't fall find fault in in your first selection. And this was the one that I was trying to push out for a lot of other ones that realistically you know a lot of people will probably have higher but at the end of the day like this one just has that sort of feeling to me i remember seeing this movie with uh a girl friend uh that you know she was one of my best friends in in high school 
and it just kind of had so many callback moments for us uh, in our friendship. So it's it's just a fun movie. So funny. Nice. Very cool. Well, okay. Now it is time for my number 10. My number 10 is a family film that stars Tobey Maguire, Alec Baldwin, Sean Hayes, Susan Sarandon, Joe Pantoliano, Michael Clark Duncan, John Lovitz, the esteemed Charlton Heston, Jeff Goldblum. It's the fine film Cats and Dogs, where cats and dogs are engaging in a secret war with each other. Using various forms of technology, the dogs are the good guys. Alec Baldwin plays the grizzled veteran dog who is stuck with a trainee by accident, a beagle named Lou, voiced by Tobey Maguire. John Lovitz as the lackey cat who gets picked on by Sean Hayes' Mr. Tinkles is hilarious and has one of my favorite moments ever. When Mr. Tinkles is talking to the John Lovitz cat, and I can't remember his name, the building around him is on fire. Everything is going to shit. And Mr. Tinkles looks at the John Lovitz cat and says, I need you to stay here. And John Lovitz cat says, why? And he says, because I hate you. And then he shuts the door on the cat and moves on. It's dumb. And yet it's hilarious. I love it. I watch it over and over and over again. And it's just, there's no special message there's still hidden meaning. It's just easy, digestible, kid-friendly fun with cats and dogs. There's ninja cats, hairball. There's a hairball. Uh, he's, he's Russia. There's a Russian spy cat. There's all kinds of craziness. It's good stuff. Cats and dogs sequel. Cats and dogs two. The sequel. Don't watch that. That's trash. It's awful. That's all. That's that's my number ten. That movie uh, kind of started off that trend of. Let's redo the Matrix in every movie that we possibly can do. Uh, oh, yeah. And, yes, and I, I remember watching it and enjoying myself. Uh, I, in fact, I still watch Cats and Dogs here and there. That one does have some good memories to my childhood. I want you to stay here. Why? Because I hate you. <laughs> he just closes the door. It's funny every time. Dave, you're number 10 before I tell that joke again. <laughs> Uh, so my number 10 comes from DreamWorks Animation. Uh, this has got an all-star cast, a voice cast, of course, as well, starring Will Smith, Jack Black, Robert De Niro, Renee Zellweger, Angelina Jolie, and Martin Scorsese. It is Shark Tale. Uh, this movie is, I mean, I re specifically remember driving from where I live, you know, in Bakersfield down to my uh, ex-in-law's house in Palmdale. And the kids watching this in the back on on the DVD player, uh, and man, just Will Smith's performance in this was just was really, really, really good. Uh, I know this movie's gotten some backlash because of the portrayal of the gangster mafia sort of thing, and why are kids going to relate to that? None of them have seen The Godfather. It's just so freaking clever and funny the stuff that they do in this movie, and and I, I mean, and and just. Will Smith, who plays Oscar, his kind of evolution from being just looking for taking credit for the killing of this one uh, of the, the gang leaders uh, kid and then kind of becoming full circle and being a stand up kind of honest guy. So it's got a good message at the end. It's just a really fun movie. So, yeah, Shark Tales number 10 for me. Yeah, I enjoyed that movie as well, Dave. That was uh, one of my just missed. So. My number nine is the first of the Disney Pixar movies on my list, and it is Monsters, Inc. 
Not up. I'm at nine for Monsters Inc. as well. Oh, nice. So right, there you so go. Both you cover Monsters Inc. Yeah, this is this is just. I mean, you know, Billy Crystal and and, uh, and Goodman in this movie uh, really do a great. It's such a good story because they take and this is what Disney Pixar does really well is they take themes and they take concepts that you wouldn't think would be really amenable to a family movie with a good message and they turn it into the exact opposite of what you'd expect. You know, monsters making kids scream and, and you think, Oh, they're scaring them because they're terrifying. No, because the screams provide energy that powers this other realm and, and that sort of thing. And then, you know, you get the whole relationship between Sully and, and, and Kitty and how that all develops. And, and, and it's just very heartwarming. It is, it is a great story it's um, it, this is one of these ones where they've got the ride at Disney at uh, Disney California Adventure, which is really, it, it's a pretty good ride, especially the room where you get to where all the doors are everywhere, and you're like, Jesus, that's a lot of doors that they actually put into this ride, so it's very enjoyable. I I really enjoy the movie a lot. Number nine for me, Monsters Inc. Uh, this is what I was talking about before: is that um, Pixar is so good at putting in messages. And making them digestible, not only for adults, but for little kids. And this one right here centers around racism. It, they are so ahead of their time, uh, especially in the landscape of today. You know, you don't really watch it until, uh, sorry, you don't really realize it until you kind of take a second to look at it deeper. And you you kind of see those those hidden messages and themes and it's like, yeah, the kids are like, why, why would the, why would the, the monsters feel like that towards the humans? Like, that's just, that's crazy. They're just humans. They're friends. And you go, oh my God, holy, how did I miss this? I've been seeing this movie for the past 20 plus years or 20 year. And I'm, I'm just noticing it now. <laughs> and, uh, the, the cast is so perfect. You're starting to get. The the fun Ratzenberger callbacks to in every Pixar movie in this with the very fun Abominable and the smart way of how everything works in the monsters universe. You know, like you said, the the energy, Dave, and uh, how they utilize that. And I think that's something that the sequel kind of loses um, is that that sort of ingenuity that they have in monsters uh monsters inc especially i love this movie as well and i i think i'm going to sound like a broken record uh as we go down this list because there is there's not a single movie that i don't have this immense type of nostalgic love towards and especially as they talk about uh each one of their messages in each film it is so eye-opening and you got to give a, a lot of credit to Pixar for how they depicted such a strong subject in the world, but they did it with the utmost grace. Uh, all I have to contribute is that the name of the restaurant that they go to is Harryhausen's. And I think that's awesome because Ray Harryhausen is a personal favorite of mine, but yes, it is a, it is a terrific film addressing the, the topic of race. It was one of the 15 that I cut out, but again, because of when and how often I watched, it just, it didn't make my list, which is why it's going to seem really strange that my number nine 
was the Rugrats in Paris movie, which, yeah, see, everybody's like, what? Chucky gets a mom, and it is the sweetest thing ever. I am sorry. I remember I, I remember watching this repeatedly, and f- for me, and, and, you know, and people are making, like, I, I'm getting all these goofy looks and faces. There is a scene in, in this movie where the kids are all running rampant on a plane uh, as they're flying over to Paris. And it is Chucky. Like they all get in a little bit of trouble and they're, they're going to their, like their mothers are picking them up and taking care of them. And Chucky's dad picks him up and sits down and he's looking at his friends and all of them having mom. And they play this song that's like intentionally, like it's willfully, tearing at your heartstrings as it's all about him wanting a mom and that that feeling of just wanting wanting that level of connection and comfort and i'm sorry i love the rugrats i think the characters were always great nicktoons were a lot of were a lot of fun plus it was reptile world reptile world europe and you know we get that um spike the dog falls in love like it was it was good stuff and but it was it was all it was like this just really sweet tale of of chucky and his dad you know finding a mom and find you know him falling in love and, and expanding that family and kept the you know getting a, a, a stepsister too yeah and getting a stepsister exactly right so i love that movie i and you know i didn't put it number one tony with with the mind blown face or date but number nine seemed like a fair location, so that's where it was. I would have given you a little bit more love if you would have said uh, Rugrats Go Wild. Nah, I, I don't like the Thornberries. Um, Damn, Tony, you're number nine. Yeah, my number nine is um, Madagascar. Great call, Tony. Nobody? Great call, Tony. Um, I, the, I, I, the first thing I always think of when I think of this movie, and you think of animated movies, is... You can maybe argue that there has been as good casting, but David Schwimmer as Melman, the giraffe, like his voice and (laughs) who he is, is such a perfect casting for that character in this movie. Um, It's just another star-studded cast. Ben Stiller, Chris Rock, Jada Pinkett Smith, Sasha Baron Cohen, Cedric the Entertainer, Andy Richter. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. The funny thing is from here, from this movie, not just this movie being excellent, you, you get the lemurs, Sasha Baron Cohen, that, that, that is his whole thing. And then my personal favorite, which I actually watch the Disney channel and record these episodes is the penguins of Madagascar is one of my favorite cartoons of all time. Those characters are fucking phenomenal. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Uh, like penguins of Madagascar, maybe second for me to Looney Tunes and I enjoy going back and watching Looney Tunes from like the forties, fifties and sixties. That's one of the best things about HBO max is that hub. So Madagascar, what a great movie. Um, it's about a group of animals in a zoo. One of them gets shipped off to Africa. They go after to find them. And it's just an amazing adventure with excellent storytelling and great character casting voice wise. So he easily made my top 10 Madagascar. All hail the New York giants. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Good choice, Tony. Uh, I will give some mad love to the Penguins of Madagascar movie, which is 
easily one of the funniest movies uh, that I've seen. I should say just like, again, personally, it's so, so freaking hilarious that all four of those guys really make uh, a fun little crew with each other. You didn't see anything. Yeah, I I can't argue uh, against Madagascar. Can't argue against the penguins in Madagascar. Excellent, excellent choice. Tony, turn the corner to your number eight. Okay, so this is one of three movies on my list that you might go, well, that's not really a family movie. And I'm like, well, it's definitely a movie a family would go see, and it's not rated PG-13 or or R, and I made sure to keep any of those movies off, regardless of whether they had family themes or not. So my number eight is National Treasure. Oh, not going to be the sequence. Yeah, that's that's acceptable. It wasn't going to make my list anywhere else. And, you know, I can guarantee that the four of us have all seen it and absolutely love the movie. Nicolas Cage, great story about the history of America and the possible secret society. And they end up on this wild goose chase, um, you know, a, a treasure hunt, if you will, with tons of great intellectual twists and turns as far as like puzzle solving. Right. So I, I loved it. It's one of Nicolas Cage's best movies that he's ever done. Um with with a great cast as well. Honestly, I, I what you're laughing Ace up, but what do you think? I mean, uh, I, I wasn't so much laughing at the uh, the statement. It was like, God, he he might be right on that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not National Treasure, fantasy, but it's definitely really good. Yeah, sorry. Uh, National Treasure is the Da Vinci Code for kids. Like, and that's that's exactly what it is. Um, it, the only thing that I don't like about national treasure is John Voight because I just don't like John Voight. Um, but I love that, that, that movie is very fun to watch. And especially as, like you said, PC, when they break things down using these historical tools, it, it's so fun to see that ingenuity, to see that cleverness of the writing. And, uh, it is definitely a movie that is way too good um, to not be on someone's list. I don't have it. I wish I could. I, I don't have any uh, live action. And again, another thing that pained me. But uh, I'm glad, as you said before, I- I'm glad that you, someone put it on. I uh, I mean, it's it's got a good enough hook. And people remember it fondly enough that we're going to get a series on Disney+. Plus. So... It's definitely one of those. I, I actually, it's funny, you called it the Da Vinci Code. It, it was to me like, this is what I wish Indiana Jones would have done instead of go chase aliens. Um, it, it's, we don't talk about that movie. We don't no. talk about that movie at all. <laughs> he was in a lead line refrigerator and survived the nuclear blast. It's all legit. So, um, so what you're telling me is they could have done nothing and we would have got the same exact ending. Okay. Right. Shut your face. Um, and let's move on to Aesop and your number eight. What's your number eight, sir? My uh, number eight is Emperor's New Groove. Didn't I didn't write it? I didn't write it down, but it's definitely. Oh, you got it. Hand up, yes. And I forgot how shitty your list was. Keep going. Wow. Go fuck yourself. Go watch National Treasure or something. Patrick and I are wrapping up our rivalry for March here. Not really. My team sucks right now. Anyway, <laughs> my number eight is Hoodwinked, uh, a fairy tale or a retelling of Little Red Riding Hood with um, voice actors. So 
if you've ever listened to the Greg DeMarco show, I got to start with this. So if you've ever listened to the Greg DeMarco show, every once in a while, you will hear a sound boy, a sound bite of Andy Dick saying, watch out for Keith. And that comes from the movie Hoodwinked. Now, Hoodwinked is this retelling of the Little Red Riding Hood story where after everything breaks down and um, they're uh, in this fairy tale world, a frog detective is trying to determine who exactly was stealing Grandma Red's cookies um, after the events unfold. And it follows the perspective of Red Riding Hood, who at the time is voiced by Anne Hathaway. It follows the perspective of Grandma, voiced by Glenn Close. Uh, it follows the perspective of the wolf, who is a reporter, voiced by Patrick Warburton. Uh, and it follows the perspective of the uh, woodsman. And I don't remember who did the voice of the Jim wood. Belushi. Is, is it Jim Belushi? I'm almost certain uh, it's Jim Belushi. Who and, and so you learn you, you you watch the events all unfold. Then the investigator goes through and takes the statements, and you see how they all interweave together to reach this conclusion, where Andy Dick, the cute bunny, is really the bad guy. And you know, there's a squirrel reporter that's high on caffeine that they don't give coffee and when he does get high on coffee he like zips all over the place and they have to like record his voice and play it slower for him to talk there is um granny is an extreme sports enthusiast who doesn't want to tell anybody that she competes in like snowboarding competitions uh it's it's bonkers it's funny and i bought it after i watched it uh so that's my number eight, Hoodwinked. Another one, though, that uh, if you guys think Hoodwinked 2 is any good, don't. No, it's terrible. But uh, don't I, I, that is a very fun choice, Patrick. Another one that I got to get some love to is uh, J-Peth the Goat. Because that yes. is one of the, uh, he's the, in the, he's in the fucking like, the little mine cart just driving around singing a song. His horns are a rocking much- chair. Oh, so right. fun. It's awesome. Dave, you're number eight. My number eight is cars. No, nobody else has it really. It got cut. It got cut. Oh, I I made the top twenty. Made the top twenty. I mean, it's it's you know the whole story of Lightning McQueen and 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 uh, another good cast, Owen Wilson. Uh, Richard Petty is actually the king in this movie. They got a real racer for this one, and uh, and I, you know. Mater is the star of this whole thing. The cable guy who, who, I mean, Toe Mater becomes just this, this, (laughs) this great character that you wouldn't expect. And I know it's stereotypical and I, I get all that sort of stuff, but he is hilarious. And the funniest damn thing you'll ever hear is if uh, going back to Disneyland, Disney, California adventure, go to Mater's junkyard jamboree and listen to him, give you instructions in Spanish with the kind of redneck accent attached to it. It is the greatest thing that I think I've ever heard. It is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> uh, you look for it online. It's it's freaking hilarious, man. We did, we heard it the other when we were there last time and we just broke out laughing. But uh, you know, it's a great story. It's just this arrogant I'm better than everybody else sort of race car who get, you know, and and again, like we always say with we've been saying with Disney Pixar, there was a hidden message, a bigger message to all these movies. This is the same thing like you know, don't be so full of yourself that you lose sight of what's important. And and as lightning goes along, he learns a very valuable lesson. 
And he learns that he doesn't know everything and that there is benefit. Your elders do know some stuff. They've got experience. They can impart things to you. And it comes in handy at the end. And, and it's a, uh, it, it's, it was one of my kids' favorite movies when growing up. They, it's, it's one of, you know, I mean, again, something that's tied into Disneyland that's strong for us. So, yeah, Cars, number eight for me. Ka-chow. And, and easily a cash cow for Disney oh, as toys whole, make back. A whole land named after Cars Land at Disney California Adventure. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not even. I'm not even talking about the land and and California. I'm talking fucking Walmart. You can't escape Lightning McQueen toys like nope. that Mater toys and all that shit. So hard to uh, argue against. Also, that. also led to one of the uh, most depressing sequels of all time because all they did was murder Cars in Cars Two like crazy. Didn't yeah, they also it, do like a planes spinoff? They did. There is planes uh, with another planes. Yeah, yeah that one wasn't so good. <laughs> when did they do trains? Um, in automobiles. We, uh, I know we can't get John Candy, but we could get Steve Martin, maybe. Uh, maybe we'll have to see. We'll write a letter, and I'm not going to let that one linger. Dave, do your number seven. My number seven. Uh, I've got one more live action film on my list, and Aesop does apparently. This is the only live action film I've got on here and a couple of them got bumped, but this one appeared on our holiday project last year or a couple years ago. And it is the holiday classic elf that I know Patrick does oh, higher on tunnies. Oh. You sit on a throne of lies, but that's true. Oh, oh. okay. Anyway, oh. sort of I love the stuff. fact that it disgusts both of you. I can't <laughs> wait. I talked about this for 45 minutes. Well, with Dave, it'll be at least 55. So, all right. Number seven is also a live action foot. <laughs> is a live action flick. He's a lawyer. He talks a lot. What? Um, my number seven, the Ben Stiller led vehicle, Night at the Museum. Higher on Tony's list as well, which means we move to Aesop's number seven. My number seven is another movie that I associate. This is easily the best Disney movie of the decade. And it's Lilo and Stitch. Hawaii, Elvis, Aliens, all of it. Lilo and Stitch is so good. I love the the meaning behind it. I'm going to say that again throughout this entire list to this weekend or this week, I guess. The 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 two odd ducks, you know, showing that there is a friend for everyone out there that no one can uh, that no one can truly be alone. And it, it has so many quotable moments. Kevin McDonald is so funny as uh, Peakley or Pleakley or however, however the hell you Pleakley. Uh, he's so funny with the mosquitoes moment. I love that. Ving Rains as Cobra Bubbles is a show stealer to say the least. The way that they animate him is so Ving Rains. It's hilarious. Uh, the music is so wonderful too because they do they do a good job at making these older songs feel so modern. It, even though there's nothing there's nothing different about it. The relationship between Lilo and Nani, her uh, older sister, is wonderful. You get some nice callbacks, like the fat guy with the ice cream cone that gets dropped all the time. It's very fun movie. It's a beautiful and colorful movie. It, this is the best Disney movie in this decade. 
Uh, I mean, I disagree with you because I ranked one higher uh, that that was on both our lists, but that's okay. Um, Hey, by the way, did you all know that Ohana means family? Like, did you know that? And family means? Oh, I I, I only know that Ohana means family. Nobody gets left behind. Uh, And the fact that it's that quotable should tell you how crucial this, uh, or how important this movie is. To you. Um, No, I'm I'm sorry. I'm yanking chains. Tony, it's your number seven, buddy. All right. My number seven, I believe, is going to be higher on somebody else's list. But number seven is The Incredibles. Yep, I figured. All right. So my number six is, okay, so we already discovered um, National Treasure and Elf by accident. Um, but my number six is is another one of those movies that you may not think of like it's a family movie right away. But for me, it it kind of personifies it to, to a T. And it's the 2003 comedy. Starring Jack Black, known as School of Rock. Interesting. I don't know how it couldn't be a family. I don't know. I don't know how it couldn't be a family movie, considering it's a teacher and student relationship, right? Like, definitely, parents went with their kids to go see this movie. Um, I think it's maybe right around the peak height of Jack Black's popularity. Um, what's the movie he was in with uh, Gwyneth Paltrow? Um, Shallow Hal. Oh, yes, yeah. that's one of my favorite comedies. Like Jack Black is so underrated as a comedic actor, and the movies Saving Silverman. Like I, I it, when I, if you get more than one nacho stuck together, that counts as one. That's I don't answer show. the door when I'm eating. You know, um, but I didn't know that. Pick of Destiny. Pick of yeah, Destiny we, is so good. We, listen, we got some magazines over there. Some of them are monster truck, and some of them are porn, and some of them are a little bit of both. Uh, yeah, that. So, so now that we've quoted every movie but School of Rock, why don't we talk about School of Rock a little? <laughs> I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. Saving Silverman's a family movie, Tony. It, no, it's not. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not. It, it's what it's what put Jack Black as a household name, though. This movie, right? Like the relationship that he was able to portray as this kind of substitute teacher that. It's it's the time it, we've seen this so many times. The music teacher that affects the students, right, in in a multiple uh, different ways in in a numerous amounts of movies. I don't know. I, I just had to put it on this list because it wasn't going to make a different one. And I love the movie so much. No, I think that um, for me, I, you you talk about importance that like music teachers played a big role in my life as a kid. Like I was a band and choir kid all the way through growing up and. Uh, when you see music programs get cut from like public schools in particular, like you, you, you really do lose something. And yeah, at the, at the beginning of that movie, you know, Jack, Jack Black's character, he's a fraud. Uh, he's not actually a teacher, but he's posing as a teacher to, to get into this battle of the bands thing. Uh, but through, you know, again, through, and that's what family fil- films are a lot of times is like through whatever you learn something more about yourself and you become a better person. And, and that's what happens there. So yeah, good choice for number six, Aesop, where do you, not a lot of skipping. I'm surprised we haven't had a lot of higher on my list at, at least not as much as I thought we would. Uh, I, I'm also going to tell you, uh, as well that that's one reason why I went into music as education was School of Rock. School of Rock. And as much as I, I loved it before, that one kind of, that movie itself kind of solidified my love. And also, 
uh, solidified my young pubescent love of Rivka Reyes as well, who is uh, fantastic. But uh, number six for me, I needed an Ardman animations film uh, because there are three excellent ones in this decade. So I went with the OG, I guess, in a, in a way, and uh, went with Wallace and Gromit, Curse of the Were-Rabbit. I thoroughly love Wallace and Gromit. I love everything that they do. Uh, uh, Ardman Animations especially does a, a very fun job with their stop motion. And this movie itself has a very great cast. It's got Ray Fiennes, uh, Fiennes. It's got Helena Bonham Carter. Obviously, the uh, main guys of uh, Wall- or, yeah, Wallace and Gromit with uh, Peter Salas. It, it is just a very fun film. I I like the quirkiness of Wallace and uh, turning this mythical uh, uh, crypto creature of a werewolf and turning it into something, you know, semi-pathetic like a rabbit is very funny as well. Obviously, the sheep always steal the show. If you've never seen Shaun the Sheep, I highly recommend you take 15 minutes to watch a Shaun the Sheep short because that is rampant throughout this film as well. You just get like the little, you know, asides. I'm also a sucker for British comedy. And uh, that's, again, full in this movie. So I, I, I really, really do love me some Ardman. Nice. I, uh, I've never gotten into the Wallace and Gromit like franchise uh oddly enough like i don't and it's funny because i do have two stop motion animation films on my list uh later on uh and neither of them are from from this uh this franchise so uh i'll be interested to one here if either the i don't know that either the of uh, my choices made the cut but we'll we'll see um but you, you can't deny the popularity and he just keeps crank they just keep cranking out you know, movies and shows and they, they're always very successful. So my number six, uh, is a film that came out in, uh, 2009, uh, directed by a guy by the name of Tom Moore. Uh, and it's called the secret of Kells. It is a animated film steeped in Irish folklore. And as somebody who during Part of part of my thing with family entertainment, as we move further into this, and you talk about looking for things for with deeper meanings or whatever, some of some of the the reason this appealed to me is just at this time I was much more interested in the lore of my ancestry, and in particular, like my dad is very very passionate about being being Irish, even though we're mostly German, uh, which is funny. Uh, and this was around the time that I really started getting into wanting to learn more about Irish folklore and and just some of the myths and legends that surround this. And Tom Moore's made three films, and all of them are good um, in, in my in my personal opinion. There's The Secret of Kells, which came out came out in 09. There is Song of the Sea, which is about um, Selkies. Um, and then there's Wolf Walker and Wolf Walker. You can actually catch on Apple TV plus, and I would recommend watching any of them. The animation is very it's cool. Distinct. It's a very distinct, very specific sort of style. There's only one actor that people probably recognize out of the secret of Kells, and that's Brendan Gleeson. Uh, and it's about a little boy whose family's remote, 
um, castle is being invaded by Vikings, um, by the Norse. And he goes on a mission to complete a book of the Kells in an enchanted forest where he meets a fairy. And I love it. It's magical. It's it's underrated. And I, and I would recommend watching it. So that's my number six. Dave, your number six before we head into a commercial break. So my number six, it's not number one. But out of all the movies on my list, this is probably the one most quoted by myself, by my kids, by my wife's grandkids, because we all just absolutely love this. And one of the co-stars, you're probably going to hear him a little bit later on when we get to Patrick's pitch. And it is the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. Nobody's got it. Uh, This this I mean, SpongeBob SquarePants was massive with my kids. I mean, it's one of the shows that we watched and still enjoy I mean, this movie i still enjoy because it's it is really cleverly done i mean they took the whole spongebob squarepants series and actually made a movie about it and it is freaking hilarious there's david hasselhoff actually steals some of the <laughs> steals the show here a little bit because it's actually him and he helps spongebob and patrick at the very end with the uh with his chest flex and as they're shooting down to bikini bottom it's like you know oh, look at the control of his chest muscles and stuff like that and it's just there's a lot about this that is just very clever. Um, the music, the songs are good. Patrick is is the unsung hero of this movie as well. But yeah, if you're a SpongeBob fan like we were and still are, yeah, this movie was was just. I mean, the sequel isn't so good, but this movie was fantastic. It's number six for me. Cool. Well. Um... As you can see, the rest of the bandwagon, definitely big SpongeBob fans with that rousing yeah, sound. Yeah, really. Uh, I heard so many Patrick jokes that I instantly couldn't stand that show without ever watching an episode. So I'm sorry, Dave. I, I can't really comment <laughs> on that. Well, we are going to do those. We are going to take our second commercial break. Before we go to our recorded commercial, I do want to remind you all uh, that it is my duty here that if you enjoy – what we put out here on uh, Bandwagon Nerds, the material that we put out in the ChairShot Radio Network on the ChairShot.com, that the best way to support us is to head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the ChairShot and invest in a ChairShot shirt. We have all kinds of designs for you to choose from. There is even, friends, a Bandwagon Nerds shirt that you could invest in yourself and help represent this show. I'm very proud of the content we put out there. We love being able to put out quality content for you. And the easiest way to support us and to help keep us going is to head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. Shirts are only $19.99, but if you feel and fancy want something that feels nice on your giblets, spend a few dollars more and get it soft style. Again, we put out quality content every day, and the best way to support us and help us keep doing that is to head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. When we come back, we wrap up the Otlist Part 4 family films. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. 
All right. Welcome back. We are going to keep right to it. I'm telling you guys, I'm going to have to start investing in the Oscars wrap it up music. Uh, when we get on our own little uh, rabbit holes, we all love talking about our movies so much. We can go on forever as I go on forever, making fun of us going on forever. Dave, to you and your number five, what do you got for us? And I'm the one who talks a lot, right? You are the one who talks a lot. <laughs> uh, I think we're going to skip right over my number five. I'm suspecting it's either at this level or higher on somebody else's list, and it is The Incredibles. There you go. Higher on Aesop's list, which moves to my number five and my last live action film on here. It's a film starring Jennifer Aniston and Owen Wilson, Marley and me. I'm glad you have that because that just barely, barely missed my list. As someone who has tried so hard to convince his wife that this family needs a dog. Um, and has failed miserably. Uh, I always had a dog growing up as a kid. Like I remember, um, our first I and my family's had always had dogs and the story of just that relationship, uh, uh, between a family and their dog. Um, it's, it's weird. It's such an American thing. Like, like, like we we love like our animals as other members of families and i'm not saying that other countries don't do it either um but that that movie hits on all the sort of trials and tribulations and feels and great things that that come with owning a pet right down to saying goodbye and it'll crush you uh over and over and over again if you're a dog person in particular and for me yeah, I love it. I think Owen Wilson kills it. It's one of my favorite movies with him. So there you go. Marley and me. That's my number five. I, I can't do dogs dying in any film. It yeah. doesn't matter how how pe- fantastic it is. It instantly gets put into the bottom half because I'm such a a dog lover. And uh, I don't want to see any not, dog die. Like, it's not an old <laughs> kind of death, though. Like, it's like he lives oh, a, yeah. a good life like he lives a full life and that's that's the thing about the movie is it really is this love letter of this relationship it's awesome i I love it so patrick i cried during all dogs go to heaven the entire premise of the movie is dogs dying and i said like no i I can't do it (laughs) fair fair enough well why i don't want you to cry on the podcast thinking about dogs dying so ratings i don't know Share your number five. What is your number five family film? My number five is Ratatouille. Uh, Ratatouille is a wonderful, fantastical comedy. And they did such a great job creating this, this new world with such a charming character played by Patton Oswalt. And especially coming out of uh, the previous year's uh, Pixar film, which was Cars. And... I know that uh, Dave had that on his list. He loves cars, and you know a lot of people love cars, but it didn't get the most wonderful reception uh, throughout the the critics' universe. Which you know we can all tell them to fuck off sometimes. Let's just be honest. But uh, there was very little debate in Ratatouille. It's so good to have again. A, a very deep meaning that anyone can do anything and 
to have a, fa- a very fun cast with, uh, like I said, Pat and Oswald, Peter O'Toole playing Anton Ego, the restaurant critic, uh, who is just so menacing as well. Brad Bird and John Lasseter are some of the top tier animated talents, uh, both in the directing and the executive producing and stuff. They just don't know how to do a, a bad film. And even the ones that got panned are the, are still wonderful films. I look at something like the iron giant, which was one of Brad Bird's you know, unfortunate bombs. And that did not deserve that. Um, I love I, Ratatouille is just so good. And it's another one that's filled with fantasy and whimsy. It's funny you mentioned Iron Giant because I think much like Iron Giant, it it's definitely a movie that as people have gone by, back and watched later, it has gained a, a new level of appreciation. I, I agree. But, I yeah, that it definitely has like, that type of like like I I never saw it at the theater, um, but watched it one night with the little doubt a couple of years ago as part of our Disney plus subscription was like, you know, I've heard people like this movie and it was, it was, it's, it's, it's delightful. It's, it's a fine, fine film. So good choice. Yes. Yes. You said it's you PZ. My number five is elf. Hold I'm on. Sorry. I'm sorry. Mm. Turn the off. I'm a... I don't, if you got, I, if you, you guys, I don't understand if you don't even, like the movie i just don't understand i don't even want to hear about it so i guess dave and i'll have a conversation you guys can be quiet for about 35 45 you know five minutes um it's dave there's so many callback lines to this movie the cast is excellent but what i really want to talk about from this movie is the fact that the voice that we hear in this movie zoe de chanel and Baby, it's cold outside. I understand the premise of that song, but at the same time, her voice, like that kind of makes the movie um, along with, you know, the casting of the characters as well. And and how interesting it is the way they shot Will Ferrell with with um, Bob Newhart. Uh, if you ever go back, I think uh, movie the movies that made us, I think, did a thing on Elf. So go back and watch that. But uh, Dave, fill in the holes here, because I know you're as big a fan as I am of this movie. I, you know, I, I know we talked about this ad nauseum during the holiday project and, and for good reason, because it came in very high in that one. But yeah, it's just, it is, you know, I mean, as far as holiday films mixed in with family films, it's just, it's, it's a great film. It's got a great message. It's funny. It's charming. You know, you've got the whole Christmas spirit wrapped around everything exactly. else going on with Buddy uh, and, and kind of redeeming, not just his father but fucking New York city as well to teach them the spirit of Christmas in one of the funniest ways possible. And it's, it's a, it's a really good movie. Will Ferrell, one of his best roles. Um, I can't say I understand why Pat and Aesop don't like this movie, but that's on them. It'll just be our little secret, Tony. So Santa's coming. I know Santa. That's right. I, I, I get that people love this movie. Like I really do. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to rag on it. One of the things I will say that I do appreciate, I like the aesthetic of the, uh, the, like the nod and the tribute to like Rudolph the red nosed reindeer and the old stop motion animation stuff. Um, and, and thought that was pretty spot on. I don't know if it's just where I was 
at the, I just have never, I've never really enjoyed it. I'm sorry. So we don't, we don't have to belabor it though. Um, I think that that's unfair. Aesop, I'll give you one sentence. It should have been left in the North Pole. And then Tony, your rebuttal. And then you're, and then you're number four. I'll I'll just close it with you sit on a throne of lies. Uh, My number four, (laughs) my number four, um, I, this must, I, I, okay. It's not on somebody's list for sure, but I, I find it hard to believe it's not on the other two people's lists. So maybe it's equal or higher, but my number four is finding Nemo. Besties. It's just it's uh, besties is the only explanation. Pesa, your number. All right, four. it's it's up to me. My uh, my number four is Wally. Um, it's my number four as well. Top in sci-fi and fantasy. It's my number yes. four as well. I'll, I won't even comment on this because as I did last week, but this if I had to put it into this list, it would likely be probably at the same damn spot. It Wally is a- is one of the simplest stories out there right it's a love story it's so wonderfully made they put so much personality in uh i and i say this with uh the utmost respect to the characters but they put so much personality in characters with no personality right realistically they're robots they're animatronics they're not supposed to have this type of uh attachment not only for each other but with the viewers themselves and you just watch that entire movie and you have a glimmer in your eye the whole time. It is so touching the relationship between Wally and Eve. You also have that secondary story of the, the spaceship of humans, you know, kind of coming together in a weird sort of how, uh, you know, how, uh, why am I drawing a blank on the number? How 9,000. Is that right? That sounds wrong, but, uh, and uh, you, you have that that sort of twist as well. And uh, another thing that always gets me, I'm very much an ecological man. I try to compost and do all that type of shit. So when I see a movie that's directed towards the earth and how we destroy it on a daily basis, it's... Whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. We don't need none of your woke politics here today. Sorry, it's my damn pick, goddammit. And really, you can't talk about Wally without uh, no, you at really least can't. hitting really that. Can't. But that uh, be, it's got to be up there for me because of it. Can I also say I like the touch of the blend of just the occasional live action bit? Like, that. that's, um, and I can't remember the guy's name. He just passed away, if I remember correctly. Um, I don't remember who he's in all kinds of stuff, but like as the, as the sort of the person giving the orders to the captain, um, I, and, uh, the other thing I got to share, uh, while I didn't have Wally on my list, again, it was one of those I didn't catch the song that attracts Wally's attention. It only takes a moment is from one of my all time favorite classical musicals from the fifties and sixties. It's a musical called hello, Dolly. Um, and the film version stars uh, Barbara Streisand and Walter Matthau. Um, but I love that musical, and that song is such a, a center point of the movie um, that that is is nice and is partially why Wally is what he is because he's enamored with that song and that scene. Yeah, I think um, 
Because I had fun if you want, Tony. No, it's no. okay. No, I, you said Barbara Streisand, and I was thinking I just seen a preview for Licorice Pizza where it's like, is your right. girlfriend's Barbara Streisand? He's like, no, Barbara Streisand. Yeah, but uh, uh, and I think everything oh, that no, everything you said about Wally, I, I echo completely. You know, it, it's it's another one of these movies that you know, at least for the first half of it, shouldn't work as well as it does because it's just robots with, you know, they don't say anything that's that's anything but monosyllabic. You know, the whole the whole first half of the movie, they're just saying each other's names, but it's the inflection in the context, everything that's going on that drives this love story. And, and, and it's really well done. And yeah, there's the, the huge ecological message, of course, that is ingrained in this movie, which I know, you know, Pat made the joke about it, but there are people out there who will get their panties in a fucking bunch about it, but get over it. And, uh, it's, it's just, it's a tremendous love story. It's a great story. I mean, you know, at the end where you're not sure that Wally's going to come back or not, and you're on the edge of your seat and then he does come back. Um, that's, this is what Disney Pixar does as well as anybody is that heartwarming moment that you get at the end of most of these movies. And yeah, great call. Cool. Also, uh, there is a rumored sequel to be coming out this year. So, um, please don't, don't ruin it. Pixar, please. For the love of God. Uh, I mean, sometimes things go on too long. We'll, we'll have to see what happens there. Okay. My number four um, because Dave, this was all Dave and Aesop had the same number four. So my number four and Aesop, you'll get to talk about it now is the Emperor's New Groove. Um, this is the reason this is so high on my list. And I remember when I was, I saw it in college, I was working as a summer, um, summer conference counselor, uh, where we, you know, was in the, in the residence halls or whatever. And we had a movie channel that played recent, recent theater release so it was like before it was in the um out on dvd but before like but it had left the theater so it was like this in-between channel and this aired on our movie channel and i remember just watching it and be like damn i one loved david spade at the time who is the voice of Cusco. two it's disney making fun of itself and some of its old uh tropes in way, Eartha Kitt, by the way, as the voice of Isma, is excellent. Flawless. Robert, what? She's flawless. Oh, she's, she's so flawless, good yes. in that um, The Patrick Warburton as Kronk, uh, which this is like the third or fourth time we've mentioned this man's name today. Him and Owen Wilson seem to be winning family movies uh, so far today. But there's at the very end of this movie, there's this scene. Because they're fighting over these vials of potions that turn people into different animals. And they're fighting over what they think is the last one. And Yzma stomps on it. And this big billowing smoke comes. And this horrific deep voice laughter comes. And then the smoke goes away. And she's a kitten. And she has this high-pitched voice. And she's like, no. Oh, is that my voice? Like, my is, voice? That, is that my voice? <laughs> it's hilarious. Croc talking to squirrels. John Goodman as Pacha. Um, oh gosh, I can't. I mentioned her name last week. Aesop, when we did the HBO thing, she's the the mom. She was in that show, Dream uh, Mom. Wendy Taylor. Yes, Wendy. Um, 
just everybody is terrific and funny in that. And David Spade with his sarcasm, deadpan thing, and he's the he's the spoiled brat who learns the lesson. And at the end of the day, it just took a it took a something typical that you would see out of Disney films and turned it all on its head. And that to me is all I needed. Um, the soldiers, she tells the soldiers who have been transferred to animals to charge. And what I was like, excuse me, I've been turned into a cow. Can I go home? And she's like, you're excused. And he like leaves. It's awesome. Hilarious stuff. That is a movie that is not made for the year that it came out. That movie was made. That that movie was made for the adults that took the kids to that movie. And for myself, I I feel that that movie is more appreciated 10, 15, 20 years later after I saw it. Cause I remember laughing when I first watched it. Uh, And then now that I go back, I'm like, Oh my God, Yzma is the greatest Disney character of all time. And the relationship between Yzma and Kronk is the greatest that Disney has ever produced. It is so good. And David Spade. The Shoulder Angels? The Shoulder Yeah. Like, as they're, like, pointing at him, like, what is he doing? He's talking to him, but nobody can see him. It's so quotable. Holy shit, it's so quotable. And the the comedy is just... just not meant for children. And I mean that uh, in the sense that I I don't think the children are going to fully understand how freaking funny that is. And David Spade, like I said, kills it. I don't want to be a llama. Llama face. (laughs) Actually, my favorite moment, my favorite moment with David Spade, and this will be my last statement on this. and We'll move on because the wrap it up music's playing in my head is about halfway through Potch is like, how am I going to tell everybody? And all of a sudden the, the thing freezes and David Spade Lama is like, Hey, hi guys. I just want to make sure that you're clear that this movie is really about me, not him. Now this guy, not this guy. He takes a marker and he like circles himself and he like scratches Pacha out. As they okay. pan away first. Uh, right. Uh, right. Uh, well, my, my favorite part of this movie is right in the beginning when he gets turned over and then they do the the, the like butterfly in the spider's web. Just on, oh, like, yes. help me! <laughs> and and they get the, the, the last second, like, oh, so, it's so okay. funny. Oh. All right, I lied, I lied. One last one. Tom, <laughs> Jones. Tom Jones is the theme song guy. That's the best. Tom, Tom Jones... I think if we, I think we got earned a minute more on Elf, Dave. Um, when he eats no, he the spaghetti with the syrup on it. It's Ugh. time for Dave's number three. That's what time it is, because you guys have to say number four. Dave, you're number. <laughs> so we talked about with Wally great love stories, but my number three, I think, is the best love story of this whole decade, and it's uh, another Disney Pixar. It's Up. Right at number three for me as well, Dave. God, we are. See, two Jewish Daves, man, just ripping it up, just <laughs> in sync with Victor each other. Dance. I tell you, man, this. These the, are the Daves I know, I know. <laughs> the, um, the first part of this with the whole relationship between Carl and Ellie, where they go through their relationship and, 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 you know, not being able to have kids and then her eventually passing away and then where that leaves Carl after this over. Uh, that's That's one of those really touching gets you in the feels sort of moment and it just kind of goes on from there and i know it's ridiculous and it's fantastical that 
you know, 10,000 helium balloons is not going to pick up your house and fly it to Brazil. But that's not the point of this. It, it is another one of the movies that with a really good message, especially the relationship between um, Carl and uh, Russell, the uh, the Boy Scout, you know, who's who's trying to get that last pin. And he follows Carl on this grand adventure everywhere. And I, I mean, the stuff like, you know, we talked about dogs and I obviously Pat knows I'm a big dog person because they interrupt the podcast every week. Not this week so far, but, um, you know, the, the relationship with the dogs and, and just this funny stuff where he's talking and then out of nowhere squirrel, you know, <laughs> his attention gets distracted. I absolutely love this movie. It is one of the most heartwarming, touching, uh, things that I've ever seen as far as animation or just anything in general. Um, so I'll kick it over to, to Aesop to talk about, uh, why he's got up this high up on his list. Well, personally, the reason why this movie hits so hard is because it very much reminds me of my grandmother and my grandfather who had a similar tumultuous, uh, relationship like that. They, um, they tried, they had one kid, my mom, but they couldn't have any more. And they ended up adopting two, uh, children that came from insane hardship. And you kind of see something like that in up, you know, and then my, my grandfather passed away and my grandmother just had this type of, Oh no. Of he's that you kind of then, Go oh, back about mean? fifteen. Go back about fifteen seconds, Aesop, and with yeah, your story. Continue. Right at the touching part, it's got to do this to me. Thanks. I, I blame Russia. Uh, this is I, we're not we're and we're not putting you on. So you know, go ahead. Hey! Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I give you high marks. I give you high marks. Sorry for Stalin, but um, <laughs> uh, 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 I just like I was saying uh, before I cut out. This is very much like my grandmother and grandfather's love. Uh, he passed away, and she kind of be- became bitter towards the world, and eventually kind of found that it wasn't worth that. It's not what he would have wanted. And it's not, wasn't going to help her live her life any better. So I have that attachment to this film on on top of that. It's just an adventure from start to finish and deals with many things that, that complement each other, making up just uh, a, a whole story that, normally would be very difficult not to consider it a Pixar masterpiece. It's one of their best films that just has so little that does so much similar to what Wally did. And obviously the first 10 minutes, the first 10 minutes will always make you cry blubbering awfulness. Yeah. Great points. Aesop. I mean, uh, you 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 do a phenomenal job of of giving a synopsis of the things you're in love with. Like that's a compliment, by the way. Um, my number three is uh, Night at the Museum. Is that higher? Are we there yet? I think we might be there. Are okay. we there yet? It's a different film from that. I understand. Decade. 
understand. I understand. I understand. It's also a great bit that the Simpsons do. Anyway, um, Night at the Museum, Ben Stiller, uh, Robin Williams, and a, and a cast of others that is excellent. To me, this is the best family live action film uh, as, as far as comedy family style goes. Um, because I don't think anybody's going to know. Uh, I don't think if I gave you each five guesses, you could guess what my number one's going to be. So let's talk about Night at the Museum because this is like National Treasure, uh, but better and inside a museum. And I think this was totally a movie that was seen by families in movie theaters. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Owen Wilson and uh, was it Clive yeah. Owen as the, so, as the little miniatures? Yes, uh, uh, Cowboy and Indian. Young, a young Remy Malik, I do believe, was was the uh, the mummy um, that everybody acts all scared of before they realize that there's nothing to be afraid of there. Uh, and you can't say enough about Dick Van Dyke and Cecil Fredericks, the security guard. Cecil, yes, the three. Who's the old guy? The black guy. I got it. I got it up now. So Ben Stiller, uh, Carla. Gugino, Rebecca Hutman. I don't remember that character. Oh, that's the love interest. Mickey Rooney's in this. Um, yep. Ricky Ricky Gervais. Charlie Murphy is the taxi driver. Paul Rudd yep. is the is Erica's fiance. So just amazing. Great cast, and it's another one. It's just fun. It's just it's just a fun movie to watch, and yeah, I enjoy it thoroughly. And and actually, we'll argue that. The sequel isn't too bad, um, Night at the Smithsonian. Now, it gets really off the rails when it gets to its third one, but the first couple are, are pretty good. I enjoyed them a lot. So that was my, uh, was my number seven. Brad Garrett is the Easter Island head? Yeah. <laughs> it's a perfect role for him. I mean, it was. You talk about, like, casting makes or breaks it a lot of times when it's good or great. Cool. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so, Aesop, to you for your number three. Uh, not number three. We're on two. Did uh, did Tony give us a second? No. no. Oh no, Stun. No, no. Sorry. Yeah, Tony's number two. Drink again. All right. Okay. Or then I'll oh, shortly. I'll give you my number two. Hold on. Okay. Just following the rules. My number two. Um, I, somebody's got to have this number one. We haven't even have it mentioned yet, unless everybody has this number two. My number two is Shrek. Shrek. All right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's. That's one movie I had to leave off. I I know we're Wait, we're talking about it later, so but I, I'm still confused because I never did my number three. Oh well, drink again then. Drink no, because yourself, I, run Patrick. Back with, I run it back with three. I did four was Nemo, and then three. I don't know. We got lost here somewhere. <laughs> right. Who hasn't, done their, who hasn't done their number three? All right, do me? your three. Do your three. What's is your it, three? The Fantastic Mr. Fox with George Clooney. And well, guess what? We'll skip that. So that's perfect. It was higher on Aesop's list anyway. So thank you. Now I've said my number three. Everybody's done three. I I throw my two. It's higher up at Shrek. So now Aesop's bringing uh, two back to Patrick so he can bring it back to one on the other side. Great. My number two is Fantastic Mr. Fox. <laughs> there you go. All what right. A- Wes Anderson is one of my favorite directors. I love the stylings of his films. This is such a fun movie. In fact, I didn't really watch any movies going into this list this week because I I knew 
that there were too many films that I was going to remember and recall. But I made sure to force my girlfriend to watch this movie yesterday. And then I berated her afterwards after she said, it's all right. And wanted to put something like Monster House higher on her on her uh, individual list. Uh, and I want so I get I yelled at her. Uh, but we're, we're happy so, your relationship with a video game, Aesop. You failed that portion of the video game yesterday. He chose the wrong option. Yeah. I mean, says you. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many continues you have left. Yeah. There's plenty. We have a, a loving relationship. Think of it like Wally and not so much like up yet. But uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox is so good. Uh, phenomenal voice cast with it. Also, anything that Ruald Dahl wrote is just made for a movie in every way, shape, or form. And I want more Ruald Dahl on film in, in some way, shape, or form. I'm, I'm just waiting for like a live action Twitches or uh, Twits movie. Cause that's going to be one of my favorites. I have a feeling. I mean, I, I might embarrass myself here, but I believe that's James and the giant peach, right? Yes. Okay. Charlie and the chocolate factory in the chocolate uh, factory. Um, something big, about a woman in a shoe, too, right? Wasn't there a, a woman in a shoe story by him as well? Not necessarily the, the old witches. Woman. I think the that's witches, what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Which is yeah. the Twitch BFG. Um, yeah, there's a lot of like Roald Dahl wrote so a lot of children's stuff. Why? Why aren't more movie makers, movie writers, going back and looking at less popular works by famous authors and trying to make them stories on films as opposed to redoing the same damn thing that always gets told on the screen all the time. Like we're in a land of remakes. Why aren't we exploring these less popular works by great authors? Right. Y'all gets that a lot. He actually does. If there was uh, anyone that you could attribute to someone like the Stephen Kings of the world, it doll gets a lot of small films that maybe you just don't realize is a, is a doll book. Um, so there, there's don't necessarily worry about that on his end. As far as the greater film, you know, world is concerned beats me. I don't know. I guess they just want to feel safe. Um, but I I think there is a level of risk with a lot of Roald Dahl's work because it is a little bit out there. Like it's weird when you really come down to it, like James and the giant peach is kind of a weird story. I was speaking to the greater scope of authors that exist, not just him. and I think that's fair. Um, but I also think that Hollywood's risk averse. Like once what I mean, you look at it like Marvel's a juggernaut. And when it started, it, it took some risks. But as Aesop likes to point out, the formula is pretty standard um, in terms of what they make in terms of a film and what properties they go with. And, and they know what they have out of that fandom. Uh, the Fantastic Mr. Fox, like it gets made by Wes Anderson because Wes Anderson is the type of person who's going to make the Fantastic Mr. Fox, like because he is an out there. So, like if you look at any of his films, like they're they're great, but they're a little weird and not in a bad way. Like it's just it's quirky, if you will. Um, it's got the book. To describe it. The book itself got translated to Wes Anderson. Wes Andersonese, right. <laughs> you know, if you would. Exactly. Um, 
and it, it's it's fun because of it. Obviously, the stop motion's great. The the performances are great. Wes Anderson knows how to shoot a film, and he, regardless of if it's live action or uh, animation like this, it works in every sense of the way when he touches it, and it, it shows later on in Isle of Dogs too, which is another one of my favorite films. But I, again, am biased towards Wes Anderson. I will gobble up anything he wants to put out there. Absolutely. And it's funny. You talk about authors kind of getting, getting maybe their due with some lesser known stuff. Uh, my number two, because I think that's where we are now, because it was Aesop's number two was the fantastic Mr. Fox was my number three. My number two is my other stop motion animation flick. And that's Coraline, which is based on a Neil Gaiman property. And Neil Gaiman is in the in recent years quickly become a property, uh, a name and an author that's getting his his work turned into media. Like we're getting a Sandman show coming up, series coming up. American Gods was based on work that he did. Um the what is it? Um him and Terry Pratchett's um book as well. Um what is that? That's an Amazon series. Good omens. Good omens also. Oh yes, very fun. His, his work. Very fun stuff. And, and Coraline uh, if you want to know where I was with fa- family entertainment, look no further than Coraline, which is a a family film that's quite dark and harkens back to, for me, like some of those more gothic children's uh, works that you would see in the 80s, a la the Dark, the dark Crystal, the Black Cauldron, uh, the never-ending story where there's something kind of sinister to this story and this little girl, Coraline, who is angry with her parents and her mother in particular and discovers this kind of shadow world where people don't have eyes. They have buttons for eyes instead of their eyes and the world is all backwards. And at first it is great. But as Coraline delves deeper into the world and learns that there's something horrible and macabre to it, she wants out. And the mother that um, is trying to basically steal her soul tries to keep her in this, in this shadow world um i love it the stop motion again i think is great uh it's brilliant really stuff and it's it's quite dark and um but it's it's what i enjoyed um at the time and it's why it's so high on my list because i can watch it on repeatedly leica studios is criminally underrated and underappreciated every film that they do is a masterpiece and that is not that, that is me not doing it justice enough. Uh, and uh, also, every time they put out a film, they get no reception from the overall uh, fan base. Uh, Kubo and the Two Strings is so wonderful. What was that? Missing Link is another one that is just a fantastic film that unfortunately flopped at the box office. And I don't know what it is about Leica that, that gets that. Uh, sort of wrapped by them, but I, I applaud them for continuing to go out and put out uh, Oscar winners. They win Oscars every time they put out a goddamn movie, and I wish they would do more, and I wish people would go out and see them more, uh, because Coraline, I think, is one of the first ones that they produced. Yeah, it's one of, it's one of the earlier ones, yeah. And the, the nightmare fuel that is Mother, that is... Yes 
one of the creepiest things out there. You you realistically could have put that in sci-fi fantasy or in horror. Right. Terry Terry Hatcher, by the way. Great. Looks like her too. Yeah, absolutely. Dead dead on. All right, Dave, to your number two and then turn the corner as we are running long today. Yeah, I, I did I did want to say I love your cult number two, Pat. It, that that's that's a really good movie, underrated as hell. Um creepy. <laughs> Darker than most of the family movies, but anyway. Bandwagon nerds, Zack Snyder cut. <laughs> um, my number two is Finding Nemo. I know it was uh, somewhere else on somebody's list, your number four. Uh, yeah, I love, absolutely love this movie. Uh, another one of these great stories with, uh, it's all about the little clownfish trying to find his son and and everything that goes on, the adventures of Marlon and Dory. I mean, and it spawned a sequel, Finding Dory, alone that just you know was 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 okay not great not nearly on this level but uh it's another it's just another one of these examples of what disney pixar does with these stories that takes these characters that uh, this shouldn't really work it's just about fish and they turn it into this great massive adventure with bruce the shark and just everything about this movie is just it's it's fun it's um William Defoe as the uh the a- angel fish. I forget what his name is. But uh it's uh Is that William Defoe? I thought that was um Dennis Leary. It I, is Dennis Leary. Is it? I yes. thought Huh. All right, maybe I was way off on that one. You're right, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know why I think it is William Defoe, but uh I you know whatever it is, uh this is this is just one of these movies that uh really stuck stuck with me. And the kids loved it. We watched it too many times. I've lost count how many times. Apparently not enough to realize there's a difference between Dennis No, Lear. Willem Dafoe is Gil. Yeah, thank you. See, I knew that I wasn't completely seen. My bad. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, Aesop. Gil is, uh, yeah, with the uh, the lava, the uh, <laughs> this the ritual with the uh, the fish ha, tank. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, I, it's just, it's a fun movie. It, it's just, it's very heartwarming. Um. Who? Oh God! What is his name? Pat, the guy who plays uh, Marlon Albert Brooks, is that? Albert Brooks. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he is really the star of this. Ellen DeGeneres as as Dory. There's just so many good moments and and just feel good moments in this whole thing that it's 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 just way up there for me. More Brad Gilbert as Bloat, you know, That's right. of the Porcupine Fish. Um, Darla, <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres' character here. Like, right? Like, I mean, Alexander Gould as Nemo, great, awesome. But I think Finding Dory is better than Finding Nemo, in my opinion. I love Finding Nemo. You can say what you want about the discoveries about the Ellen DeGeneres show, whether you wanted to believe that or not. But, like, I think her playing Finding uh, Dory is just a, a beautiful character in the animation side. Love this movie. The whole aquarium gang is just so fun ah, to watch. Yes, great point. Just so fun, whether it be uh, the starfish or uh, the uh, Bonnie Hunt's fish, who like thinks she has a twin sister that's always mocking her. Uh, like you said, Brad Garrett as Float, the 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 shrimp, or uh, is so funny, and especially when they're doing the uh, the 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 lava ritual deal and he's just in over on the side going like singing uh is one of the funnier lines it's such a quotable movie too that one definitely is 
one of the better ones for that. You know, he touched the butt. <laughs> Fish are friends, not food. Not f- All right, Joel, Dave, take us, we got to get to our Joel, number one, guys. We're, we're going too long here. Come on. I Joel think, Ramped was the shrimp. Yeah. Uh, I think my hey, number one is going to match up with you, Pat, and it's Shrek. It is. Yes. It is. It's Shrek. You're number two, Tony. Uh, this this movie, I mean, yeah. And, and I mean, this is one where the sequel, I love Shrek 2 as well. Three, oh, and, three, three and four Shrek kind of fall Shrek. off a little bit. Oh, no, the Muffin Man! <laughs> but this movie, you I... talk about, you got Mike Myers as Shrek. You got the incomparable Eddie Murphy as Donkey, who absolutely just destroys this role. Um, you've got, on top of that, you got John Lithgow, who's in there as, as the king. I forget what the king's name was. Um Lord Farquaad. Lord Farquaad. Thank you. Farquaad, Thank you, Aesop. Yeah. Uh, Cameron Diaz as uh, Cameron Diaz. as uh, uh, the princess. Right. Fiona. Fiona. Thank you. I'm just Fiona. Uh, all this pressure you're, to try and get you're, through. You're like me trying to remember character names when we do jewelry. <laughs> I know, but this I, movie I mean, is Wikipedia's version of what the movie, and then you have it right in front. Yeah, of you. exactly. But there, I think there. I think you know what does so well on this is again it's a movie that takes something that shouldn't work an ogre as a sympathetic hero that shouldn't work but it works so well in this movie and 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 yeah eddie murphy as donkey is is the star of this thing it's um it's a great story in this great fairy tale and it's it shouldn't work this princess shouldn't fall in love with an ogre but it it of course, like all these movies, tells you the big story that beauty is only skin deep. You got to get deeper than that to figure out who you really love, and that's what Shrek is at about at its core, wrapped around a really, really, really funny movie. And the reason I love this, the reason I put it number one, and it's the reason why a couple of it's the reason why the Empress New Groove is on my list. It's the reason why Hoodwinked is on my list. Is these are these are trope, these are films that attack tropes. Um, and take something that's very conventional, the like damsel in distress princess story, who's a hero, and, and turn them on their ear. And Shrek is that character. And Michael Myers, you know, I don't think, you know, we've talked enough about how great he was. And you got to understand, he made them re-record his dialogue with the Scottish accent. And we don't get Shrek. This is the other thing. That, tragically, we don't get Shrek in the iteration we know it as, if Chris Farley doesn't pass away. Because Chris Farley was originally cast as Shrek. Then Mike Myers took it over. And I can't remember if he did the accent straight or what, but he didn't do it with with the Scottish broke that he did at the end and then made them go back. And it was one of the best expensive decisions DreamWorks could make. Uh, but yeah, it just turns everything on its ear. It's a terrific, terrific story. Uh, and it's why it's my number one. And I love the sequel as well. I think the sequel is terrific. So Aesop, you're number one, sir. Uh, I have one more comment on Shrek. We're, we're running long, sir. One comment quick, quick, go. It's the ultimate original fan service to people who love fairy tales. It's true. It really is. I, that's no lies detected there at all. They also doubled what the book was uh, because the book is not that. Uh, My number one is The Incredibles. Brad Bird is so damn talented. He made an incredibly entertaining love letter to superheroes and family as well. In one of 
the the biggest accomplishments to Pixar. Um, it has such a thoughtful consideration to adult relationships and the romanticism and need for superheroes. And not to mention uh, the the caution against you know oneself as well. The level of action and violence and just spectacular uh, scenes between the the family fighting syndromes creations is uh, one of the more mature productions of Pixar. And I can remember when I saw the the trailer for uh, Incredibles two, my heart was at, was all a, a flutter. I was so happy because this was a movie that needed a sequel so bad. And unfortunately it took far too long to get because that, that movie needed a sequel uh, two, maybe three years after it came out. And then unfortunately we got one far too late. Craig T. Nelson is just fantastic as Mr. Incredible. Uh, I hate TJ Miller, but he plays Syndrome so well. I I love that's the Incredibles. TJ Miller, that's that's Jason Lee, dude. I am all types of wrong today. My bad. <laughs> I don't know why I can get the characters. They don't even sound down. the same. Like their voices aren't even close to the same. Uh, they're they're kind of the same. No. <laughs> but yes, the Incredibles yeah. is my number one. The best Fantastic Four movie ever made. Ah. Uh. Amen. Awesome. It analogy. really is. Awesome analogy. Yeah, that is. And and you know what else is interesting about The Incredibles is there's an element of Watchmen in there with the whole paranoia against superheroes and making them hang up their capes and become like normal people. So it, it's it's a tremendous movie. Yeah, I had it. Where is my super suit? Right, Why do you need to know? So good. <laughs> Tutty, take us home, my guy. All right. Do y'all want one guess because it's a movie we haven't mentioned and it's my no, number one. No, just give it. <laughs> uh, you said it's live action, right? Yes, sir. Live Spy action. Kids. Nope. That's the Shark action. Boy and Lava Girl. There you go. No, no, Patrick. Um, God, yeah, actually, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, I don't, I don't have a good guess. All right, my and it's one probably one of my top ten favorite movies ever. It's uh, Secondhand Lions. Oh, I wouldn't have even dreamed of that one with Haley Joel Osment and um, Robert Duvall. Robert, Robert Duvall, Chita. Michael Caine, Kira Sedgwick. So let me set the scene for you. Haley Joel Osment plays a 14-year-old boy whose mother is Kira Sedgwick, and she's a bit of a irresponsible free spirit. And she ends up sending her son as a single mother to live with her great uncles, who are played by Robert Duvall and Michael Caine, who live on a farm in Texas. So... It's said that in their family, these two guys hold all the money, but no one knows where it is because they live poor on this ranch. So obviously life lessons learned with Haley Joel Osment, really cool setting in which, you know, he's the comedic one and they play the straight, you know, the straight man in the situation. Uh, things happen. There's a lion that's, uh, they get to hunt because they hunt things. And it, it ends up as a retired circus lion who befriends Haley Joel Osment, a 14-year-old boy. His mom ends up coming back with her new boyfriend who's actually like supposed to be a, like an investigator or something who's really just looking to cash in here. Um, the lion has a cub, dies protecting it. it it's just a, it's a really heartfelt story. 
that involves nothing that would deter a family to go ahead and let their children learn a lesson from it. And I just remember watching it as, you know, as a younger man and, and just loving it. Yeah. That's uh, a terrific choice. And one, I just didn't even come close to expecting. So I, I, mad respect. Isn't there a scene where like, they're a little crazy with their guns at one point, like somebody off the porch. Yeah. Uh, Hub and Hud or Hub and Garth or something are their names. And basically they just like, they exploit the fact that door to door salesmen come by and they scare them and stuff like that. So it's like Haley Joel Osment breaks the ice and, and gets into their favor because he helps them defend the family money that it seems like every relative is coming after. So it's a very, if you haven't seen it, like spend the time to go and watch this. It's, it's a really fucking good movie. Yeah, that's a that's a nice a nice way to round this out. And so there you have it, folks. There is the final selection for the Op Project Part Four Family Films. And this week's poll will have three options instead of four, since we only had three unique choices. You heard it: Secondhand Lions, The Incredibles, and Shrek will yes. be the the voters' choice. You will have a week. Feel- By the way. I feel a Shrek coming on. (laughs) Saw with a narrow victory in the horror film poll. Thank you, everyone, for voting. Uh, I love seeing how those shake out when when folks give those votes. Uh, And so it was was great. I have a very brief Patrick's pitch. I'm not going to play Patrick's the the music or anything like that. Way to Um, undercut my shit earlier, Pat. Thank you. (laughs) I was. Come on, Uh, play it. He wants that. He's got a joke to follow you know, it. Okay. We already went this long. You're already in trouble. Instrument. Yeah, what go. a good jellyfishing. What am I supposed to do all day while you're at school? Can I use your bathroom? Who's your friend? What does claustrophobic mean? <laughs> you know what the problem is. Thank you. You're you're welcome. <laughs> Very curt. Okay. So my pitch to everyone out there today is uh, a couple of, I watched a lot of content. Uh, I had, uh, I had Friday off this, uh, this week uh, and had a little, I just had some extra time to kind of sit down and uh, Tony and I talked about this show earlier uh, on this, on this broadcast. It's on Apple TV plus it's Ben Stiller's latest uh, effort. It's called severance. Uh, it is an episode at a time. And I remember when we first talked about this, the trailers for this series made it look like this was kind of like a dark comedy, a black comedy. And it's not. I would say it is a tense, suspenseful thriller with horror elements and a touch. And when I say a touch, I mean a teensy touch of comedy built into it. Uh, the concept of this show is um, it stars Michael Scott, um, John Turturro's in it, Christopher Walken. Uh, but these people in this not so distant future work for a company that has allowed people to willingly participate in a program called Severance, where they implant something into their brains that basically cuts off 
their personal lives memories while they're at work and their work memories while they're in their personal lives. And they're actually two distinct personalities and people. Um, and, and you learn that through the course of this show. And the opening episode starts with Michael Scott's character getting a promotion because the current supervisor is, quote, no longer with the company. Adam Scott, not Michael Scott. Michael Scott is I'm a character. I'm like, from wait Office. a minute, hold on. What the fuck's like going on here? Adam Scott. Um, Adam Scott, not Michael Scott. That's so that would be said. kind of that would be kind of crazy if Steve Carell was playing his office right. character. That would definitely be a comedy. Um, and then I think it's uh is it Patricia Arquette is like his supervisor. I'm only three episodes into this show. It's an hour-long episode each week. It is it is one of those where, like, I am so sucked into trying to figure out what's going on. There is this big, greater mystery involved surrounding this company and what they do um, and how it impacts the people that participate in the program. And I hope this series does well on Apple TV Plus and gets to go and explore fully what it wants to explore because I'm all in. And I don't want to say too much because I don't want to spoil the show too much um also i was late to the game on squid game watched it this weekend it took me less than 48 hours to watch all nine episodes once i got started i could not stop watching it um if you haven't seen it check it out it's really good um so those are my two pitches today um that's going to do it for this week's edition of bandwagon nerds before we get out of here of course we want to let everybody know where we can find our members of the bandwagon and this this week we're going to let Aesop kick us off tell folks where they can find you out in the socials and on the chair shot radio network sure search for me search for me on uh Soaps. facebook at aesop mitchell you can also find me on twitter i got two accounts uh, at Violent Aesop for the wrestler page and at Dave and Cudahy for the Dave page. Uh, also, listen to us on uh, Down the Wire every week. We talk about sports in the most uh, professional sports in the most unprofessional way. And that to me is always a good time. We got some really great guests, especially this week. We're going to be talking to a minor league baseball player. Uh, and the tumultuousness that is the major league baseball right now. And uh, we, we can't wait to kind of hear his thoughts. So it's going to be a good time. Awesome. Awesome. David Ungar. Yeah. Baseball. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, you can <laughs> follow me on Twitter at attitude ag. That is at attitude agg and on facebook.com slash attitude of aggression. Mr. Tony. Uh, you can follow me at PC Tunney on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, just a bandwagon nerds kind of references. You know, we're, we're covering Seinfeld on DWI. We just about to get into Murderville, a uh, series on Netflix with Will Arnett uh, on, on Pot is War. So if you're fans of that, please check it out. We're trying to cover all the tertiary things that we just can't get to right here on Bandwagon Nerds. So, uh, Patrick, take it away. Excellent. You can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can catch me elsewhere on the Chairshot Radio Network every Tuesday with Dave when we do Hockey Talk on Chairshot Radio. You can also catch me every, well, most every Wednesday uh, on The Greg DeMarco Show with Craig DeMarco and Miranda Morales. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Next week for the Op Project, we are going to be covering the top 10 dramas 
of the first decade of the 2000s because we want to get that done before we get to the fun stuff, comedies and action flicks. So that's that's the rationale behind that. Also, do want to apologize to my co-hosts being a little a little snarky, a little, a little short with everybody on time, not trying to be that guy. I do like us having a tight two-hour podcast. It just wasn't going to happen today. We love these movies way too much. So <laughs> that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Now get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, and put on a family fic- flick and enjoy it with those you love. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. Come on, y'all! And I saw her face. <laughs> now I'm a believer. Listen, not a trace. I doubt in my mind. I'm in love. I'm a believer. I couldn't leave her if I tried. Then I saw her face. gonna go fight a dragon and rescue a princess just so Farquaad to give you back a swamp which you only don't have because he filled it full of freaks in the first place. Is that about right? You know what? Maybe there's a good reason donkeys shouldn't talk. I don't get it, Shrek. Why don't you just pull some of that ogre stuff on him? You know, throttle him. Lay siege to his fortress. Grind his bones to make your bread. You know the whole ogre trip. Oh, I know what. Maybe I could have decapitated an entire village and put their heads on a pike, got the knife, cut open their spleen, and drink their fluids. Does that sound good to you? Uh, no, not really, no. For your information, there's a lot more to ogres than people think. Example? Example? Okay, um, ogres are like onions. They stink? Yes. No. Oh, they make you cry? No. Oh, you leave them out in the sun, they get all brown, start sprouting little white hairs. No. Layers. Onions have layers. Ogres have layers. Onions have layers. You get it. We both have layers. (sighs) Oh, you both have layers. Oh. You know, not everybody like onions. Cake. Everybody loves cakes. Cakes have layers. I don't care. What everyone likes. Ogres are not like cakes. You know what else everybody like? Parfait. Have you ever met a person you say, hey, let's get some parfait. They say, hell no, I don't like no parfait. Parfaits are delicious. No! You dense, irritating, miniature beast of burden. Ogres are like onions. End of story. Bye-bye. See you later. I let this happen, you know. (laughs) 
The sports car, the getting in shape, the blonde hair, the lies. Yes, he attempts to relive the past. Now I'm losing him. Oh, what do I do? What do I do? What are you talking about? You are Elastigirl! My God, pull oh, yourself yeah, together! Yeah. What will you do? Is, is, is this a question? You will show him you remember that he is Mr. Incredible, and you will remind him who you are. Well, you know where he is. Go, confront the problem. Fight! Win! And call me when you get back, darling. I enjoy our visits. Oh, forgive me. We were in Houston when we heard their names on the news, and always just had to come. When I was a boy, my grandfather told me such stories. Your grandfather? Very wealthy chic. He used to love to tell me stories about his wild youth. Amazing, unbelievable stories all about two brothers helping Garth McCann, the most valiant and brave men, huh? He called them his most honored adversaries. <laughs> the only men who ever outsmarted me. <laughs> Wait, so you... You knew these two men. They, they raised me. It's an honor. <laughs> nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> wow. Aha. Well, see, they spent my grandfather's gold wisely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was this one traveling salesman. <laughs> So, the two men from great-grandfather's stories, they really lived? Yeah. They really lived. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.